Yes, Quam is drinking Colt 45 in celebration of two years. Two years! Of libations for everyone! That's actually what we are. Uh, so you're listening to the podcast. You've seen the description. It's just the two of us. We decided um, we haven't done this in a minute. And it's been two years, 60 episodes, average of 30 per year. I swear we've done more than an average of 30 per year. Yep. But that's where we're at. This is episode number 60. And uh, we decided, let's do the garage edition, the laid back edition. Um, smoke some cigars, drink some lager, and then pour up some boozes and talk about, we're just going to talk about like the state of the union in effect, kind of where we're yeah. at with the pod and our hopes and dreams and how far this thing has come. It is really, it's just insane to think about. Like, I just can't believe, uh, I, I personally just want to thank, uh, not that Charles doesn't, but I'm not going to speak for him. Just thank everybody for, for listening. Um, it's been, it's been so fantastic to talk to people, sometimes uh, in my own community and sometimes via the interwebs and internets uh, all across the, the country and actually two people from outside of the country who have messaged me. Uh, cheers to all of you, and it's, it's awesome. I, I love the fact that a long-form bar conversation is listenable for, for some folks out there. In a, in a world of smaller and smaller um, pieces of content, uh, I kind of like that a law form thing has has a room somewhere. Yeah, it's nice to see that there is a space for something like this. Still, it's, we're not the only podcast of this kind that runs long or as long as we need to, in effect, because that's sort of our we like we try to aim for, you know, the two two and a half hour mark. But mm -hmm. sometimes, like last week, it was three hours and nineteen minutes. You just that's what happens when you're when you're with friends and you're imbibing. Usually, you go home when you're done. Yep. It's kind of, it's generally, our general guideline is we try to make it not necessarily tight, but we want it to be digestible, but sometimes it just, it goes where it goes. Yeah. And we I, let and I, it happen. That's the beauty of it is letting it go where it goes. Also, uh, I don't know if anybody else there out there identifies with me on this, but the amount of times that I've texted, I just got one last one and then I'll be on my way home after that. This is a great example of why that last one takes forever mm -hmm. is it's when you get into these discussions where whether I'm home in the next five minutes or the next 15 or the next 20, like if I don't wait this out, I'm going to miss out on this great conversation. And I love when we get onto something, when you're talking to somebody, whether it's a stranger or somebody you've known for a long time, I love those stories and I take a lot of them with me. Um, and I think a lot about that because I, I feel like I'm still just like a, a tumbleweed crossed with a sponge where I, I'm just sort of drifting across whatever my life is and just trying to pick up as much from those around me as I can. And this show has given that to me in spades and it's been absolutely wonderful. Yeah, sometimes you have, you know, we've had like brief episodes that have been beautiful. You know, like yeah. we, we had some episodes where yeah. it, the brevity is, you know, we got an hour, 50 minute episode with Diane, mm -hmm. Mua, I believe. Uh, and that was a fantastic episode. But then we have some episodes where it's like, it, you can compare it to meeting a friend for happy hour and knowing that they got shit to do and they got to go. So they, they have to leave or you have to leave, right? You can still have a fantastic time and be like, can't wait to see you again. But then some of our episodes are like those evenings where neither one of you need, wants to be the one to say, all right, I got to go. Yeah. And you end up playing music, start playing music at 3 a.m. Someone starts cooking and you're like, all right, we're fucked. <laughs> I'm uh, metaphorically looking at you, Jessica Gustalise. 
We we have a habit of we have yeah. tried to get together. Uh, we were actually just talking about the show uh, this week, and we've uh, uh, we've gotten together twice to listen to music ostensibly, and then the night goes where it goes, and all of a sudden I'm sure. on my way home, and I'm like, "Fuck, we never actually listened to anything. Yeah, we just talked, and we got caught up oh, on yeah. each other's lives. Okay, and, you know when you have somebody, I think it's peculiarly uh, true when it's somebody that you used to live with. So, oh, absolutely. Jess and her husband were both roommates of mine for eight years. Because uh, immediately Brandon King came to yep. mind, old There's, friend of mine. We we basically lived together for our entire adult lives until about a decade ago. Yeah, and when you when you have all day every day to talk to each other about stuff, music becomes something that like, hey, I might not have anything interesting that happened today, but here's some great shit I've been listening to, and then we zone out to that. You know, sometimes sure. it's more important to catch up on what's going on in people's lives. Right. And I always also feel like I'm like troweling everything I'm listening to down everyone around me's throats all the time anyway. So I do get a little bit timid about it. Oh yeah. But well, that's a fun dynamic with Brandon too, is it will listen. So he's one of those guys, Brandon, no offense if you're listening, but he's one of those guys that has been listening to the same like 25 albums for 25 years, you know, cause he just knows what he loves. And I've always been trying to entice him with new material. And it's been, it, it's very few and far between that I can say, like, listen to this, and then he adds it to yeah. his 25 album rotation. It's happened a few times, and I'm always really excited about it. But what we end up doing is really late in the evenings, and I'm glad he moved an hour away because he was the one guy that, like, well, five <laughs> years ago, actually, we lived together, air quotes, until five years ago because we lived up, down in a duplex. He lived above me. <laughs> like, that's how close we are, you know, we're essentially brothers. But what thump, we would do thump, is thump, thump, thump down the stairs, and you're like, all right, I guess we're staying up. For sure. Yeah. I'd hear him, <laughs> I'd hear him you know, walk into the breezeway and light a cigarette, and I would step outside and poke my head around the stairwell and notice he's up there and reach around the corner to the fridge, which was right by the door, grab a beer and pop upstairs. Yeah. You know, sometimes go across the street to the river. But it's funny because I would always play music for him, try to entice him to add it to his collection. But then it would always devolve into us listening to like the same, uh, like, we listen to a lot of um, MTV Unplugged stuff sure, sure. and, you know, real late at night and kind of get emotional and, like, sing along to, to Alice and Chains or yes. Nirvana, you know? <laughs> but then that would keep us up all night. We'd be of up until the sun came up just listening to tunes and drinking. It's my favorite thing on earth. Mm -hmm. It really is. I love it. I wish those opportunities presented themselves more these days. Well, it's tough, too. It's hard to older. do. Like, I have just have more responsibilities during the days, you know? Yeah. When I was bartending or DJing, there were Ate many it. days where I didn't have to do anything until 7 or 8 o'clock the next night. Mm -hmm. So, all right, if I stay up till sunrise, I can sleep through the day sure. and then go about it. And, you know, I just don't do that much anymore. Every now and then, I'll stay up a little late. Sometimes you fire it up. Yeah. I... I'm definitely the kind of person that'll never grow up in that way. Like I'll never ever grow up in that way. I am. If you're listening to this and you do know me IRL, I know that's only a slice of our listeners, but if you know me in real life, just know that I am still that friend that will party all night if needed. It's just that those, mm -hmm. <laughs> those opportunities don't present themselves the way that they used to. That's true. I miss those days when it was just like all my friends were my neighbors and all my neighbors were my friends. And in the summer here in Minnesota, it was just, and I always say this is bacchanalia, like when it would be summer and it's sweltering and the grills are fired up and the beer is cold, like nonstop, just, you knew you could party anytime. Uh, and I, I miss those days, but I understand that they have their place. 
yeah. as well. You know, I'm not like, oh man, I wish I could go back there, but I look fondly upon them. And I always cherish opportunities. Like when I came to the barbecue yeah. last late last summer and we were at Hennessy's house, that was a great evening where we stayed up super late. The fire got lit at like 3 a.m. Or maybe it was already lit and I didn't notice, but we were sitting around the fire at 3 a.m. and everyone's a little mumbly because they had a little bit to drink. Maybe some other substances. We got another. Uh, we got another one coming up. I'm. Yeah. Uh, it's it's in the the final stages of planning. We're just working on sides. Oh, I hope I put that in my calendar. That'll be yeah. We'll 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 make sure. Yeah. That's in there. It's everything's decided now. It's we're cool. we're going behind enemy lines. We're going out into the suburbs. So it's a foray, a ways out there. So we're talking about maybe putting together a couple groups together to do some some Ubers. Uh, well, how far in minutes? Uh, like twenty to twenty five. Oh, okay. Not crazy. I, that's not too bad. No, I'll leave it that. That's no problem. But yeah, we're doing a we're doing a full on seafood boil, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and you know, for us doing this oh, for yeah. 19 years, mm -hmm. uh, it's fun that we keep coming up with new ideas that we're excited about because there's just still so much of the food world we haven't done. If you're a frequent listener of the program, you've certainly heard Quam uh, mention. The what four hundred dollar barbecue? Yeah, was that the original number? That was just that was how much money all four of us could put together originally, and right? still be able to pay okay. our bills and not get evicted. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't remember if it used to be two hundred or no. it's damn sure not four hundred now. No, 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 no. But we, that's yeah, we, we got it up. The worst one we ever did, yeah. we got it up just shy of five thousand dollars, and uh, that was we just realized like I'm down for gluttony. But like mm -hmm. that was too much when we're when we're putting down like a healthy car down payment yeah. for a single dinner that doesn't net us anything back. Was that the one in the private dining space? No, it wasn't. That was uh, that was pre us being friends. It was at uh, my friend's parents place. Uh -huh. And I mean, we we cooked for like 70 people that day. And we were doing... We were you had, doing caviar bumps like Justice Sutherland and Joe Sasta? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we were doing... Yeah, we guys, did, take a scoop. We did oysters... Ice cream scoops. Oysters two ways for 70 people in oh, yeah. the Midwest. Uh, oh, my God. Who was shocking and how sore were their thumbs? Oh, it was it was me and Drew and Dan. It was that was. Or tough. did you do the move that I do when I get 100 oysters for a party... When I'm sick of shucking, I throw them on the grill so the grill can shuck for me. <laughs> we definitely, the other half of the two ways was definitely Rockefeller. Yeah. Because uh, that was just great. It was it was so much fun. But we kind of, we just thought, it was like, honestly, the only thing I can compare it to was like a wedding where you spend so long planning it and then it goes by and you don't remember anyone you talked to or anything that happened. It was just a big blur. And then we had 70 people's worth of mess to clean up. Oh, yeah. And certainly that's the... Because no one... Helped put, clean anything up. Should have made it six grand and hired a cleaning crew. Yeah, should have. Because that's a, <laughs> hindsight. Isn't it weird how you can have like six people over for dinner and the amount you have to clean just doesn't make sense? You're just like, how is this possible? And I don't mind. I, I actually like to clean, yep. but it's weird when, like, for instance, sometimes when I have a holiday dinner, it is literally like six to eight people. But the chaos after everybody departs, like the amount of things that need to be cleaned, it just boggles the mind that's not that many people no it's like, what have i done i want to give a, a really heartfelt thank you and bless you something i don't say very often to all of the people who help clean as as people are cooking that's been oh yeah like my you wife do if she sees me getting even a little bit into the deep end with dishes as i'm going she'll jump in and, and start doing stuff before i can even think about it 
Goddamn right. Yeah. Man, that makes everything so much yes. easier when you have Oh yeah, that going. and for the record for our, in our in our holiday parties, usually Marnie, my mom, and her mom will like when everything's said and done and I'm having my like glass of fucking pappy or what have you and perhaps a cigar with my brother, they're they're already after it with like helping to clean. But then still, like, even after that, it's surprising that it's like, holy crap. Or even if you look at the dish rack yeah, and it's like stacked up to the rafters, oh, like, what it's did ridiculous. I do? What did I do? And it's like, yeah, you made 11 sauces. Like, why? Did, why? Yeah, I, have, uh, I, I, I got after it cooking a couple days this week with my wife being out of town. Oh, yeah. And all the dishes are clean, mm-hmm. but I have not put them away. So I have a, a Jenga of dishware uh, on the drying rack next to the sink and then a full dishwasher right now. Interesting. So our dishwasher to me is a foreign territory. Mm. It's like uh, being a child that doesn't want to walk down in the basement. I don't use a dishwasher. I probably mentioned this. Yeah. But I I just don't. I don't even, I honestly, if I, if I had to use it, I would have to use the internet because I don't know how to use it. I wash dishes by hand. So like I never open it and empty it because I don't use the damn thing. Fascinatingly strange. I don't like Mm. to do, we do all of of our, son of foreign parents. Yeah. There you go. Wash by hand. You fill one of the tubs. Fair enough. Hot soapy water and you wash them by hand. I just remember the first time that we got a dishwasher and it was like the coolest technology that had ever happened because I never enjoyed washing dishes and I still don't like I, I put plates, plates and glasses go in there for the most part. I'll do pots, knives, all that kind of stuff by hand. Mm -hmm. But, um, between the amount of plates that we will go through and then all of the different beverages being consumed, I will do just a whole load of those. Like, especially if there's like coffee, it's just throw them in there. I, I enjoy doing the dishes by hand. Sure. Like as an activity, I enjoy it. It's like, it's also a great way to break up my day. I'll put my earbuds in and listen to a pod or some music and then just do the dishes for 15 minutes in the middle of the day. Sure. I like doing it. The only thing is, it has to systematically make sense because with my wife doing dishes a different way and me doing the dishes the way that I do them, sometimes like things are just like out of sync. There's too many mm. out of sync. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Let's shut up about washing dishes. What the fuck are we talking about? All right. What are we drinking? Our- we're drinking Malort. Malort, baby. Malort, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got Malort on the rocks. We're letting it dilute. We're drinking that sweet, sweet juice. It's nice and floral. We're smoking some beautiful cigars. We're hanging out in my garage. You got a nice frosty bottle of Miller High Beautiful Life. night. Yeah, you got your giant bottle I of got Colt 45. 40 ounce of Colt 45. Yeah. Shout out to Billy D. The Colt 45. That's He, he did not tape it to his hand. You know, you're the third person to make that joke today. Holy shit. I All got right. it twice in the liquor store. Wipe that. Wipe that. <laughs> I was like, man, I didn't realize Edward Forty Hands was that big. I think I only played that once. I, it's more I don't of even a, know why they came to mind. I don't think I've ever even seen someone play it. <laughs> I'm too old, I guess. It just wasn't, I didn't really. I just remember being irritated about how it took all the hair off the back of my hand when I ripped the duct tape off. Ah, yeah. Well, that, like, would, that would make stupid. me look weird, like that meme that recently came out of the guy who shaved his hand all the way down to the wrist. Yeah. Because I would. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, is that a mesh shirt you have? Oh, nope. Okay, that's just what uh-huh. you Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's even for me, who's not exceptionally hairy, it's always hilarious when I get a, a tattoo because there's just a giant chunk of bare skin somewhere on me that I don't think of myself as being hairy until I see a spot that's completely shaved. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. I'm a, uh, yeah, Robin Williams is my legitimate father. I'm a pretty hairy guy. <laughs> Plus, in that movie where he played the, um, what was the movie where he developed film? 
A one hour photo. Okay. So you'll never, any listener, even most of my friends will never see a photo of my father. He looks like my dad in that movie. Oh, that's weird. It's so fucking weird. That's Plus crazy. he's really hairy. So I'm like, okay, there you mm-hmm. go. You know, that's it would have been a lot cooler if it was Robin Williams. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> named his daughter Zelda too from the, after uh, the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, it all it all tracks. Dude, would have been yeah, that would have been cool. We that, need to some. That would have been cool. Thanks, Robin. Ugh. God, I just ashed all over myself. <laughs> fucking amateur man. That move was ash. <laughs> Total ash. <laughs> well, fucking a. Cheers to you. two years of unqualified success and uh and a lot of a lot of good times a lot of great guests fuck yeah and one absolutely horrible guest no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) you know who you are imagine putting that on tape they're all like so great wait what what did i do is it me (laughs) yeah right dude i i love Uh, when when questions like that pop up and you hear mm -hmm. the person who's supposed to be answering the question like start to say the name and then freeze like wait what am i doing no we don't say this on tape (laughs) that's so awesome uh, our, well, we got questions. We both wrote some questions for each other. Let's do it. So uh, do you want me to go first or would you like to go first? Uh, I believe I did send you the the proposed order. I did no, I didn't. Get that. What an asshole. I'm going to do a live on the air. <laughs> <laughs> this is so awesome. Yeah. And it's funny because, <laughs> because question number one is me. <laughs> and I'm going to read it right now before... I send you this because we've already kind of been doing this, but yeah. we love to talk about how the sausage is made. It's like one of our turns of phrase that we use an awful lot on here. Uh, <laughs> you know, alcohol is involved in the production of this podcast. As you all know, name a time when something has gone horribly wrong in the podcast or horribly right. <laughs> well, horribly wrong, horribly right has been really how we've stumbled into all these amazing places that we get to record. <laughs> You know, like usually every time that we had to find a different venue, it was because something fell through or something wasn't going to work or COVID ramped up again and we needed more space. And, you know, shout out to the crew at Meteor, the crew at Max Industrial, Jaren at P&A Hall, uh, Derek at at Club Caraway. Caraway. What else? We got uh, two, two recordings at Food Building. Yeah, Food Building. I mean, all of these people have found ways to let us come in and take up like hours of their time. Shout out Patmos Design. What up? Yeah, what up, Patmos? <laughs> um, but it's just, it's, it really is kind of cool to realize how, you know, this is, this is all sort of a privilege. So I'm not going to say this is like a need, like having a roof over your head at night is. But when, when, we, when the show is in need of something, we have a ton of friends that work together to, to figure out how we can do it. And it seems to just keep growing. And I think that that's incredibly fortunate, horribly wrong. I still have nightmares about losing the first, um, splinter and, uh, Oh yeah. And Josh literally the last episode. Yeah. The entire, (laughs) that one, like the amount of time that I put in trying to salvage that and trying to figure out if there was anything that we could do or if, if somehow it, it had saved in like a corrupted file that, that was, I, I still hate that because that was such a the 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 second show that we recorded the one that you all heard was great I loved yeah. it and but, different location too yeah we we recorded the original at Meteor uh-huh. and lost the recording and then we recorded again at PNA several days later and they were gracious enough to to come and meet us again and you know we we love those guys and yeah it was a 
fucking great episode. But it's it is kind of in a weird way. Like if you want to look at a silver lining, that one was just for us. Yep. You know, we yeah. had a we had an episode it was like just uh, we we all got to hang out as friends and get to know each other better. Because like I know Meaty, but not super well. Splinter is one of my best friends, but we all got to like get to know one another in that arena uh, in a in an episode that is that was just for us. Yep. Like no one else gets to experience that, which is it was like the VIP of the VIP. Zero, we made zero dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we had nothing out of it except a really a really great memory. Yeah. And you know, especially Splinter. Like Meaty's amazing, but Splinter and I have existed in such a weird. Venn diagram, like like a right. very very, very close Venn diagram, and that was the, really the first time that we had ever hung out, and a perfect example of how even in a small market you can still not talk to people, even if you're in the same industry, even if you're having sharing the same friends. Yeah, you can do this dance for years. Yep. There are still people to this day that I meet that are like, I cannot believe we've never hung out before. I'm, you know, forty and a half years old, and have been in and around we've both been in and around food and beverage for so long but that that's that's definitely a good example right it was like when i when we finally got to put that episode out uh and people started listening to it i got so many texts about like how did you guys not know each other like i don't i don't know i mean i've seen them before right but i don't i don't know that we've talked and it's you know it's just it's just odd sometimes it's that part people, of the beauty of this podcast yeah, isn't it it's amazing num- like, isn't it isn't it fam I mean, like, think of the number of people that you could and should know mm-hmm. that would be totally simpatico with you or with us, or even as a listener, you know, if you just think about um, whatever your vocation is, or even just like the places that you hang out, there are probably untold numbers of people that you would be like super in sync with mm-hmm. that you just have never had the opportunity to spend time with. And that's why we... That's why we both have the philosophy of we continue to make friends. And that's Absolutely. also, you know, again, the beauty of this podcast is that we get to know people that we maybe otherwise should know, yep. but we've got to know them via this production. That's kind of fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, even looking at the relationship I have with my wife, the the, the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, uh, two and a half years to us, previous to us meeting, uh, I interviewed for a job where I would have been her boss. And if our relationship had started out with that vibe, I don't know yeah. if it ever would have progressed any further. Oh than yeah, that. sure. And it's just, it's very, I'm like the way that things worked out. I'm just glad that I met her when I met her. And right. I still feel that way about like a lot of the people that I've met, especially since the show has started where I actually have like somewhat of a normal enough schedule where I can make time for people like that. Cause mm-hmm. when it was in, when I was in the service industry, it was almost pointless to meet anybody that wasn't in it. Because I'm like, cool, well, I guess maybe on a every now and then on a Sunday I'll see you, but that's it. Yeah, it's, we live in different um, versions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Correct. In effect, different universes. Yeah, it's 100%. <laughs> it's a multiverse thing. Yeah. Like, I, I felt right. that way when I finally got to start. When I stopped DJing and I started running clubs, um, I felt like... I was like an alternate Spider-Man getting to meet all these other guys that I had heard about, <laughs> but I had never been able to meet because we worked, we all worked the same night. So you never got to go see anybody else. Right. So it's, it's very, very interesting to have that dynamic. And I've always been a weird one because I've always been a day job person, but referring back to like the all nighter type stuff, I was still able to hang out with 
service friends yeah. whenever it was that they were available to uh, hang out, which, you know, Sundays, mm-hmm. most people who work day jobs do not want to party on Sunday. I'll party on a motherfucking Sunday. Yeah, you will. Or just like being up late at night, you know. It's, but it's funny that those streams don't typically cross, right? Day jobbers and, and uh, service people. You goddamn day jobbers. Fucking day jobbers. No, I'm a day jobber. <laughs> Sounds like a wrestling term. Yep. Yeah. And I really thought... Or I, a sexual maneuver. <laughs> I don't know. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. God, on those those really terrible emails that used to circulate, were like, in like 2000, 2001, where it would just be like the worst <laughs> like notes font ever. Yeah. And it would just be a list of really horrible like word combos and then an even worse <laughs> like two par- or two sentence explanation. Yeah. Things like the Cleveland steamer, mm-hmm. but like the ubiquity of those Cincinnati bow tie. Yeah, it was like a, it was like a, like a, a chain letter. If anybody's old enough to remember those, but one that everyone read. Cause like yeah. you could say the Cleveland steamer or uh, yeah, anything like that. The horribly named Arabian goggles. You could say any of those and like somebody in another state would be like, Oh man. Right. How weird is that? What about this one? And you're like, wow. How does everyone know that? But for sure, you know, it was the, the start of, of <laughs> that was the pre 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 Twitter and Reddit repost. Right. And you know, for real version educated people on all of us. Cause a mooj. Oh yeah. It's about love. <laughs> it's about passion. <laughs> God, I haven't thought about that. In a while. Um, what about for you? Uh, I'm in a, I'm glad you didn't say this one because it, it's another obvious one, but a curse of the ill-timed outlet. Oh God, yeah. Curse of the ill-timed outlet, which is close to the uh, illustration I made in junior high of a fake uh, goosebumps book called Curse of the Ill-timed Boner. Is <laughs> the thing I actually drew when I was a kid. It was a it was a kid looking up at the bell ringing, and he had a book in his lap. Oh, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> and as a thirteen-year-old boy, there's nothing for, more frightening than that. Anyone here, anyone listening to this who has ever been a thirteen-year-old boy, uh-huh. knows what that is about. Uh-huh. Uh, Curse of the old time. <laughs> I'll never I, forget that. <laughs> I, I don't know that in the span of an entire life, I don't know that it weighs out. But for uh, anyone out there that does not um, not have a penis in their works, uh, just know that that as fun <laughs> as it is being able to pee outside standing up. Uh, it came with a it came with a very bad backfire <laughs> on mm, the flip end of that, yeah. where that 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 sail would uh, would fly at any time, with or without prompt. Yeah, yeah, especially when like you don't understand how the machinery works yep. for for. There's a period there where. Okay, mm-hmm. let's stop talking about little kids' motors. Well, um, <laughs> just saying, like I remember, like going back to it the goosebumps, weird, yeah. the goosebumps <laughs> thing though. Like so the old time boner. It yeah. was a real fear. Will be published someday when, like, when you could kind of like <laughs> feel it happening, and there's yeah. you look around, and there's no one around that you could even like. If somebody busts you, you could even be like, "Yeah, but da da da." It's like you know, some like sixty-five-year-old bald guy teaching. And you're in the back with all of your friends around. Like, there's nothing. You have no excuse. Right. And that was always more mortifying, for me at least. And like, oh, my God. There's the flip side, too. Brandon, again, and myself used to have a study hall right after gym class. And the teacher would let us just do whatever we wanted. So we would nap on the floor. And we'd be in our, like, oh. we'd be in our track pants or our shorts. Oh. And we would put, no, but it's worse. We'd put <laughs> markers in our pants. <laughs> and we would lay on our backs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was in the 90s. 
but that was like a that was a favorite move of ours. And yeah. he'd be like, "Guys, come on, come on, like, huh, what? Oh, oh no!" Like, yeah, like, <laughs> we we had a uh, <laughs> to bring up one dumb story from from a four hundred four hundred dollar barbecue past. We had one up at my yeah, cabin. None of these were dumb stories yet. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we were up at my cabin. Um, cheers, by the way. We didn't even cheers. Oh yeah, duh. I mean we're just drinking steadily. Anyways, yeah. cheers, cheers. Yeah. Okay. You're at your cabin. We're at the cabin, yep. and uh, it was my father's cabin at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my good friend Steve had brought a bunch of vegetables from a garden, and uh, one of the cucumbers was like obscenely large, like comically large. Okay. And uh, he decided that he was going to pantomime what it's like uh, having a giant member, and he was pounding it on the table and being like, "Look at me." And my stepmom came around the corner, who is a elementary school principal. And so she's seen someone do something similar, I'm sure. And and just the complete letdown of like. She principal's uh, ass? Did she like. No, she just looked at him and gave him the, like, I'm just disappointed in you, Steven. There you go. She just gave him the look and then just walked out of the room. And Steve just went outside and like felt bad for a while. He got sad. Went went back by the garage and smoked like three cigarettes. Got real sad. (laughs) <laughs> I was just like, oh man, yeah, we're all in our late twenties. That's normal. Okay. Well, <laughs> at least this wasn't last Thursday. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So curse of the ill-timed outlet. Yeah. So we began recording pretty steadily, like basically our I would say our home, not even our home away from home. Our home right now mm-hmm. is um the beautiful Club Caraway. The classy confines. The classy confines of Club Caraway in South Minneapolis. We've been recording down in the Speakeasy Cigar Lounge uh, pretty frequently when our guests are, you know, open to smoke being in their vicinity. We do record downstairs. Otherwise, it's beautiful upstairs in the lounge as well. We did not know this at the time. And honestly, I'm not, I won't even spoil that part of the equation if you haven't heard the story, which you likely have not. We recorded an episode with MJ Matheson and we lost a pretty significant portion of it because the board, our board that we currently use, the Roadcaster Pro, does require AC power and it just like zapped out and we were like, what the fuck? It just like zapped out and we didn't know if we'd lost the episode so we picked up, if you listen to that episode, we picked up where we left off. It's still a great episode but I am still bummed because like the chemistry that we all had humor wise was so incredible and you still hear it on the episode we were you, 35 minutes in before the first question yeah and you're missing a lot of context like there was jokes about i think iowa we were telling or nebraska 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 we're telling jokes about nebraska that don't even make sense anymore nope. there's something there's like a novelty to that as well that you, you're almost like what are these guys fucking talking about so you know we got to just accept that but the fact that we lost a portion of that episode Granted, it was it could have been way worse. Yep. We still ended up with about two hours of content, and it was a great episode. And still, if I may say so myself, a fucking hilarious episode, one of the funniest ones totally. that we have on record. Uh, so the other side of that coin is related to this directly. The week prior, we recorded with Eric Eastman, the mm-hmm. second episode with Eric Eastman. Once again, a beautiful conversation, um, extremely illuminating highly intelligent and and um, really warm, kind individual. And he's been on twice for a reason. And he decided to record with us 
uh, or we mutually decided to record at a slightly later time. We recorded, I believe, at 8 p.m. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a thing going earlier mm-hmm. and for work, and I came straight from that. And because of that, uh, we ended up pushing it a little bit later. We got a zap when we tested, yeah. and it was at 8. On the nose. On the nose. Next week, the zap occurred at 8, and we didn't put it together. We weren't paying attention. We just thought you know, this is a new facility, maybe something we're like break, we're, we're hitting the breakers or something. We had no idea why we ended up finding out from Derek himself <laughs> later that he kind of put two and two together. Like, Oh, okay. I know what happened. I have a timer on that particular outlet to flip off. I believe a humidification unit at exact, exactly 8 PM. Mm-hmm. And so and I had in a way seen, we were relieved, but in a way we were horrified. I had never seen a Bluetooth outlet like that before. Right. Like I was used to the, the ones that everybody's parents have where uh, it's like the dial on it and you set it so that it turns your lights on and off when you're on vacation so that nobody robs your house. Sure. That's that's the only thing that I had ever seen. And where, there's exterior units that you plug in yeah, that have yeah, timers yeah. and things on But there. I'd never seen one that like... The outlet you, outlet. Yeah, that you can't tell from the outside. Right. But on the... Yeah, there's, a, there's an app for that as there is for everything. And so that that's... Was, fascinating to me that's when something went horribly right yeah because that time we didn't know it at the time because it was the first week of the two we didn't know at the time that we had totally dodged a bullet because imagine if we'd started that recording with Long eric time. at 6 p.m and lost two hours yep. and even with mj we started recording relatively late if you think about it because mm-hmm. we didn't lose that much time mm-hmm. if we'd began recording with him at six even that would have been so that went horribly wrong and horribly right in mm-hmm. a sense that's, uh, that's uh yeah Ugh. so also a great reminder that like when something happens it's not always even if it's like an easy fix and somebody if you're on the outside you're like well duh it's this you're not thinking about that because most of my worry was trying to figure out if we were going to be able to salvage anything right you know like i was way more stressed about is that file corrupted now and i wanted to try and record in a different file everything that we could but that all of my stress was worrying about, did we just lose that audio? And I wasn't even thinking about what could be the possible reasons behind that. I'm just looking around and I'm thinking, well, like these air cleaners probably take a lot of power and the, uh, the space heater that was down there probably does too. And like, I'm sure that's just a lot of draw and we might've popped a fuse. Like I just wasn't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So it was really great having Derek just actually be the one to sleuth it out and let us know because yeah. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even suggested that. Yeah, we we definitely uh, are fortunate to have determined because we after that episode we were like, well, we can't record here ever again. Yep. And now we've been recording there steadily and it's <laughs> pretty such a much great place for us to record straight up all the time. And thank you, Derek and and everybody the there. good folks at yeah. Club Caraway. Everybody at Club Caraway is amazing. Such a great place to uh, to record, and um, um, I'm also a member. Like it's, and also the event coordinator, but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely adore that place. Cool. Well, fuck it. Cheers. Let me uh, polish off this Malort and we can sip on something else. I preloaded mine for this next question. Yeah. What did you pour? The Foursquare? I did. So I poured, um, I had a little bit that I had been saving for something kind of special. Uh just any reason to, to finish off the bottle. Oh, mama. And uh, when we talked about doing this episode, I was like, this will be perfect. So this is a Foursquare 2007. Uh, I talked about this bottle a little bit on the episode with Joan. And mm-hmm. 
Man, that episode reminded me how much I love to do a French accent uh, and uh, mimic some of its uh, speech patterns and say, uh, you know, to 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 for us to, to cheers this. It. Oh yeah. I could have listened to him talk for eight hours straight and not asked another question. Yeah. Like I just I was Absolutely. entranced by everything that he said. For sure. It was just wonderful. So I thought since we had referenced it, and mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if you and I had ever sipped on this together. We have not. So uh, I thought I'd bring that with, and with that. I wanted to ask, have you fallen in love with anything food or drink-wise that you weren't necessarily crazy about way back when we recorded episode one? Serendipity, my friend. Um, I do enjoy rum. I, I have been sort of curious about when it would really take hold in, in this marketplace or in the broader uh, United States in particular. Uh, I would say that my curiosity about that began with um, my pal, Blue Jay Ballard, who we both know, mm-hmm. in his apartment when he lived in Northeast. He had this liquor cabinet just full of dope rums, just great rums. And we'd often go there after Grumpy's and have a little something to drink at the end of the night. A little. Yeah, that's right. And um, I've always enjoyed rum, but I'm not in any way a rum connoisseur. Um, I, I f- Kill it. Kill it. You want me to kill it? Don't fucking Minnesota in that bullshit. Kill well, it. I couldn't even tell how much was in there. You're right. It's, it's, <laughs> that is that is a serving. I mean, I guess it's a serving for us because it's like three ounces. But. I literally, I, I tried to keep that bottle at, I knew at some point I wanted you and I to be able to drink this. Beautiful. And I've just been keeping it at awesome. what looked like two pours in the bottle. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, so I, I enjoy rum, but I won't pretend to know everything about it. Uh, it's not something that I seek out on a high level or I haven't traditionally. And so once again, evidence to the fact that this podcast in seeing it or listening to it play out a lot of what you're listening to, you know, I know it seems like we know a lot about a lot of things, especially if you don't know who we are, but we're always, we're learning. That's such a cool thing about this is we're learning so much when we absolutely have conversations with other people and we're both, we're both like very, um, deep, knowledge seeking human beings so having joan do his master class on the transcontinental rum line and tasting through that lineup and just like how wildly different mm-hmm. each of those products are that are all produced in a very similar fashion with a very similar ingredients just very adjacent production methods and ingredients and you get these insanely diametrically opposing expressions that was for me the coolest experience i've ever had with rum as just as a, the pure yeah. form of rum yep and it really like switched that light switch on for me to want to explore more because again i love rum but i make drinks with rum and i'll like sip a rum if it's available to me but i don't buy high level rum or i haven't traditionally and i wouldn't say i have a ton of friends that are have been like offering me really high level rums when i come to their house perhaps out of just knowing what i do enjoy um at least outwardly publicly so now i'm like okay well here's a new thing for me to explore uh more deeply and that's pretty fucking exciting i will never i will never forget that rum class yeah 
that he taught us in the middle mm. of a podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll I'll remember that forever. Like that ranks to me on the same level as the cupping class that I took at um, Tim Wendelboe in Oslo, Norway, and that ah. got me interested in in coffee. Yeah, and where the, like the, that's where you order the um, the, the espressos. espressos that yep. you in your to this day Jenny enjoy. Yep. Yeah, it was it was it was a guy taking an hour out of his day to go through all of the different expressions of coffee. And I was like, a, you know, if I was like hungover or at a Perkins, I would, you know, a cup of black coffee. Otherwise, it was cold press and that's it. Mm-hmm. Cold press still has my heart, always will. Espresso has, has crept in. But, uh, but that, that class had a huge effect on me. And I, I think everything that we got to taste and learn about rum, I will look at that entire category differently because of that show. Yeah, and we were marked on the episode um, and in, in some forms afterwards, like I posted the episode in this rum group that I'm in. But if you want to refer back to that episode, it's only a couple episodes ago from this one. So was it 57 maybe? Yeah. Yep. In that range, late 50s in our catalog. If you haven't heard it, you'll see the rums displayed in the description in the order in which we consume them. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to listen along, whether you're consuming the products or not, to just get an absolute fucking masterclass yep. on each of those products, how they're produced, why they have um, the characteristics that they have, that's I, I would highly uh, encourage you to to tune in. And obviously, we talk about all kinds of other shit too because that's what yeah. we do. Well, and not not to oversell that episode, but also to know that. Joan isn't just, uh, he's not just a brand ambassador where like he went in and spent a couple weeks learning about a product that they sell and then oh, he goes no. around the country selling it. He's literally using his palate and going around the world and finding rums that he wants to then work with and find different ways to age. And that is such to me a unique characteristic because mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that is currently in that role in the spirits world. There are people right. in the wine world and I, cert- you could sort of say also in the beer world to a lesser extent. But there are people in the wine world that definitely do that. But I don't know anybody in the spirits world that is doing anything like what he's doing and I th- or what they are doing and that he is leading. And I, I just thought how I, – I can't believe how fortunate we were to be able to right. just sit and have that. And also specifically the role that he's in and the impact that he's had. Mm-hmm. He came to prominence in rapid fashion. Yeah. Like for him to tell us like his the story of him rising to prominence and what he's doing now – and the guy is like un- encyclopedic. He's an autodidact like myself and clearly like absolutely knows his shit and what to look for. It's it's very cool. And he taught they us, made a good bet on him. And they, and they and he taught us how to say umpton so much better than Hampton. Yeah. That's umpton, for, yeah. forever. <laughs> it would be umpton. I know I did I think I was texting you like, mm-hmm. dude, like the way he says that is perfect. <laughs> Sto- stealing, stealing, yeah. stealing. <laughs> Uh, for me, I think I was I was kind of struggling with this because I have been pushing for rum on menus since the mid two thousands. So I don't necessarily know that I can say that. Mm-hmm. I've been a huge fan of mezcal and tequila, but I've gotten more into agaves yeah. since we've d- started doing this. But I think the thing that I've noticed is that in all of food and drink, it's reminded me to keep pushing myself to do things that I'm not comfortable with to like, I, I have like 15 to 20 recipes 
that I feel like I could make for anybody in my life. And they would be like, Oh my God, this was a beautiful dinner. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I get stuck in that where it's just easier for me to do it that way. Sure. And, uh, both your level of, um, I don't know, your drive towards perfection with, um, with certain recipes that, that you've been working on. And then the people that we've had on the show that have been in the food and drink world, their desire to constantly make something a little bit better and try and make something, okay, this is good, but could it be better? Sure. This is better. Now could it be great? This is great. Mm -hmm. Could it be pushing perfect? Right. And that has been something like discussions that I've had with Eric, even just about keeping quality ice at home and little stuff like that. Like as that has informed more in my life day to day than I think anything else. Um, and it just goes to show again, the caliber of humans that we've had on the show, like the people that are like, you look at the, the Mecca boss episode who watching where her trajectory has gone since we recorded that, mm -hmm. um, you know, with starting to look at the hidden food ways of, of African-Americans here in, in Minnesota and in the Midwest yes. and where that project is going. It like, I'm, I'm honored to call her my friend. Not that I wasn't before. But it's even more amazing now seeing where, again, not just, oh, this is in the style of something. She wants to get the entire story. She wants to know the humans that were behind that. And the more that I put that into my life, the more it also makes me love what I am making as opposed to right. just loving the people that I'm making it for. And I, I love that. It, it makes me very happy to have seen how, like, I have, I have a cookbook that I keep on my phone. And the size of it has almost doubled since we started the show. Really? Wow. And I've had that going for seven years, six years, six or seven years. Um, but it's because we'll talk about a flavor. Um, you talking about some of the things that make you feel like home in the, the Lebanese family of foods, flavors that I want to try and mm -hmm. learn more about that I just, maybe I've had, but I didn't know what things were going into it collectively to make it taste like that. Sure. It's just opened up my food world so much more again, because, well, why not try and figure out if, if I have to buy these three blends of something to put in there, well, why not figure out how to make it on my own? Why not just sure. do all that on my own? That doesn't mean, you know, there's, there's some lessons to impart from, you know, for instance, the, yeah, bang episode, it, he posed a question. I think it was more like a thought exercise, like, why, why do you want to make that? Sometimes it's not about making it so that you don't have to buy it right. or that someone who is far better qualified should not be able to make it for you anymore. But man, for instance, the, you know, it is, and there's a lot of these processes that I delve into and I'm amidst several of them right now, but when I went elbow deep in the exploration of, of what makes jerk jerk, I have so much of a better understanding of why it tastes the way that it tastes that's, that I did not have prior to having to figure out. That's what I was like, trying to, to say. To break down all those elements. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what I derived from what you're yeah. stating is like you suddenly understand why those flavors are what they are. Like the components of like, it's like, I, I'm not going to build, you know, we're sitting right next to my Rubicon. I'm not going to build a fucking Jeep. But when you get under the hood, if you're a tinkerer or you work on cars and you take things apart and you see like how the various components work, 
you have such a greater understanding of, well, that's what makes this thing run. Surprising nobody. I have this argument with people sometimes about mm-hmm. music. Okay. Um, because I frustrate some of my friends when I vomit out like how a thing gets put together because they're like, this is art and I just want to appreciate that art. That's fine too. You're right. And I'm like, yeah, 100%. We both probably have a lot of things that we love that we don't really dig into. Yeah, probably not many things. They're less and less. Yeah, <laughs> They're less not a lot less. of things, but there's like a lot of stuff that we don't, that, that as people generally, it's okay, like not to digress too much because you're amidst the point, I don't want to take away from it. Mm. But for instance, there are times when I'm smoking a cigar and I'm sitting with our friend Nathan Beck and he and I like really break down the components of it and the flavor profile but there's sometimes, like right now, that we're having this conversation, I'm starting to think about the flavor components of this really beautiful cigar that I'm smoking, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was just enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So that's okay, too. You mm-hmm. can just enjoy something for what it is and let the pros be the pros and not really care about those components. But if you do care and you do have that like thought process and want to understand more, then you can do it. Yeah, you can do it with food. You can do it with music. You can do it with you can do vehicles. Anything. You can do it with anything. You know, and that's, that's it for me. That's what I, I didn't realize this until probably sometime in the last 10 years, but that's what really attaches me to things. Like I can like something, but when I figure out what the people who made it were doing, then I'm almost more, I mean, right. You're making the face, the ooh face for the rum. It's delicious. Fucking sex party USA. Yeah. This stuff's so good. Uh, shout out to, uh, to, uh, Aaron at uh, Zips for that recommendation. Oh, God, I'm glad I got a little bit of cube left because uh, jet fuel. Yep. Um, but, yeah, like, I I find that the more I learn about what ingredients make a flavor, like, you know, like, uh, when you look at, like, your curry powder, right, that you make, mm-hmm. or you look at Raza Hanout, or you look at sure. um, just any kind of jerk seasoning blend, Cajun blend, when you start looking at where all those things come from. Remind me to give you some of my black lime. Oh, yes. 100%. I need before that. Before you depart. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking but, of. But the more, that, the more that I learn, then I start to learn about, well, why are all these products used in that? Well, it's because these were all cultivated around there. And then you start to learn a little bit more about the agriculture around the area. And then you start to learn about the history and like mm. how different cultures came through because different cultures got obsessed with spice roads, spice, spice road stuff. Like the history of what we know as modern society was developed because people wanted flavors that they could not have. The flavor. Correct. And I feel that way about most things that I love mm-hmm. is I just want to know more. Like when I meet some of my wife's relatives that I haven't really gotten to know, but that she hung out with a lot as kids. Mm -hmm. I love getting to know them because I can find little things and they'll tell me little stories and I get to know a little bit more about this human that I love. That to me, like, again, I'm not asking everybody to share my beliefs, but as far as I'm concerned, this is my only run through this. And when it's done, it's done. And I want to try and learn as much as I can about everything around me that I love because that's to me the most noble pursuit. And it makes me love those things even more the more that I understand them. And I feel like if we maybe applied that towards people that we decide are different than us, maybe we would learn a whole lot more about acceptance. And it all just kind of works into one really general theory for me is like, whenever I feel like something is different, then I want to learn more about it. And then, 
yeah, the more that I learn, the more that I just like it. Like to, I don't know. It's, it's been amazing. So that's, I was struggling with how I wanted to answer this. And that really is the thing that's changed the most for me is seeing how, especially in the kitchen, but also sometimes with cocktails, like the MSG dirty martini. I never would have made that two years ago. Right. But we start talking about it enough. And then I'm in my head. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. Why am I not using that? I love using it. It's a cheat code for food. Why not mm-hmm. use it in a drink? And so I brought, uh, I made a, um, extra, uh, Amontillado sherry gin and, uh, vermouth. Actually, I use an orange liqueur. I use an orange, uh, mm. for it. Uh, and MSG martini to a party. And everybody was like, what is this? This is amazing. And nobody could come up with what it was because between the sherry and the MSG, there is this beautiful, deep, oh, yeah. like savory, but also still caramel note in there. The yeah. dark fruit. Little, yeah. And then like that absolute inexplicable je ne sais quoi of MSG yeah. that like people people eat every day and cannot place. That's why it's a secret ingredient in most of your snack foods and you don't fucking know it. Cheat code. It's in your Doritos. It's in your Dots pretzels. You just, you don't, you're like, why are these so good? Mm. That's one of the primary reasons why. Oh, Dots pretzels. Fucking Dots pretzels. Well, well cheers. Okay. Cheers. Hey. Actually, hold on. Do that. God, that's fucking good. Yeah, man. That, uh, that's one of my favorite bottles of any spirit I've ever purchased in my life. That's beautiful. It's a, a Barbados rum, four square. It's 2007, single blend. Uh, it was aged in ex-bourbon casks. I'm reading the label. Obviously, I don't know shit about this. This is the first time I've consumed this, but 12-year-old um, cask aged. Uh, it is a um, pot and column blend, yep. and it was released in March of 2019, and it's uh, 120 proof. So I bought that in 2020, and then it's just been slowly having a little bit poured off here and Bangers. there. I never, um, outside of the one the one espresso old-fashioned that I made with it, I've never made a cocktail with it. I just wanted to sip on it straight. Ah. And if you wanted to tell me how rum was much more a spirit of this country than, than whiskey was for the first 50 or 100 years, all you have to do is pour something out of that bottle, and I will 100% understand you. Oh, yeah. Well, let's move along to the third topic of conversation. Okay, so. <laughs> Let me see if I can get the 47 of this. Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> part of that was him. Part of that was me. You know, it, it's, it's up to you which one, man. It was such a good portrayal of the oh, bottle man. that I just did there. Bloop, 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 you're you're bloop, my bloop, Oscar bloop, nominee bloop. for Foley Mixer. <laughs> yeah, fucking right. Okay, so we've come to know another uh, so much better via this endeavor. What's something you've learned about me and vice versa via doing this podcast production together? You're goofy sometimes. I did okay. not. I really, <laughs> I thought that that was going to be a bone of contention for the two of us, that really? I'm too goofy mm-hmm. and that I wouldn't take it seriously enough. When we first started this, I, I told Jenny word for word. I was like, if, if this doesn't work out, it will be because I'm too much of a clown and Charles is too serious. And I think what I've noticed is that I'm a lot less of a clown than I think I am. I just get used to playing that sometimes as an icebreaker, and that's not actually what I am. Mm-hmm. And Also you, a conversation we had a recent episode. Mm-hmm. But I think, that, I think that you're a lot goofier than most people would know. 
Yeah, I like just probably true. <clears throat> every now and then, like a funny voice will come out of you, or like a quick little one-liner will come out, mm-hmm. and it still kind of is like, oh fuck, <laughs> but it's always like on point, perfect timing. It's there, and it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, like a like a secret combo that you have, and it it always hits <laughs> kind of at the right point, yeah. and it's it's so funny because we've we've talked about this that uh, sometimes maybe it's just literally because of your physical appearance. But that, you know, people don't think that you have a huge sense of humor. And I think that I, I always knew that you had a great sense of humor, but I always caught you like kind of like snickering at stuff and whatever. And mm-hmm. it's, it's been actually figuring out how fast you can be with like with one liners and with little jokes that I just love it. I don't know. I, I've I've always almost every episode. There's at least one point where I, I just want to be like, I want to hit pause and be like, all right, dude, that was fucking awesome. I just, I just want to acknowledge it in the moment, but we can't cause it ruins the flow of the conversation. So I just have to like smile to myself and be like, that was great. It's a fun side effect of this podcast that I can be myself in a way that I am primarily with people closest to me because I do have a really deep humor, humoristic side. It's a big part of who I am. I always joking. I'm, I'm definitely like a big kid. I'll never grow up in a sense. Uh, so it's, yeah, I would say that if if people know me sort of like <clears throat> casually or as an acquaintance, they don't always get to see that because when you know someone, I don't want to say on a surface level, but when you don't know someone that well, you uh, present yourself as like um, the interesting version of yourself. Like, hey, let me, let me, inter- let me be like, my most interesting self and also like being good at absorbing the information that, that you're parlaying to me so that I can get to know you better as well. The, for me, the better, you know, me, the more my sense of humor comes out. And also the more I give you shit, I think those are the two things. Like the better I know someone, the more of a hard time I give them. And it's entirely out of love as well as, um, we're being joined by Marge. Oh, hi Marge. You're a little late. Mar- yeah. Marge, about two hours late to the broadcast. We got a beautiful little puppers my coming in to say hi. neighbor's dog, Marge. Just yeah. She's a sweetie. Oh, Marge. Hi, Marge. Cute. She's like, what are you guys up to? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, To me, Marge has to sound like that. She does. Hey, yeah. what are you doing? She really gets after my dog, too. She's like <laughs> an old floofy dog, and he's a young, wild, wild child, and she likes to get after him. She's she's similar to me, right? Like if you just see Marge and she's kind of doping around the yard, doesn't seem to like have that sense of humor. But then the, my dog comes outside and she starts like deacon at him and shit. And you're like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good Marge. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I appreciate that. And like, I love I love to joke. I'm always joking. That's a also- thing with a dynamic also with Marnie that. I just, I'm always cracking jokes and I will say, it's a big I do want to separate the difference. It wasn't that I didn't think you had a sense of humor. Like sure. I knew that because yeah, I knew true. how quick you were in like, like talking shit. Like when we were growing up, it was always like playing the dozens was always the, the term for it. But when you're just kind of okay. roasting, roasting each other or whatever, I always knew like that side was there, but it was uh-huh. just, it was like the, I don't know, the fun, the fun goofy side was, it's just like a, it's an added little, uh, little, of whipped cream on top yeah and you know part of that is just also um your proclivity for doing that because it that's what i think makes this podcast so fun at times my 
we we have like such varying ranges on this program in terms of like how serious we are, <laughs> how knowledgeable our guests are, or like we can be at times and and then um, being being humorous. But I always enjoy our material the most when you can tell and and we can tell also similarly that like we're just like having a fucking good time. We're just having a good time. Yep. What's better than that? We're drinking and having a good time. That's it's always my favorite when we finally hit the stride with a guest and you can tell that like they're not nervous anymore and they're kind of locked in. It's like we set mm. the we set the rails for some fun and like you don't have to worry like this is a safe space we're going to have a good time. For sure. There's always a moment that I feel like it's almost like um it's like tangible. Like there's this moment where it hits where all of a sudden you can tell that the guest is now locked in. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's literally like when we get done with a preamble, they're like, Oh, that's all this is like, we're good. And then there's times yes. where it's, you know, it's guarded for sometimes it takes a minute. Yep. Sometimes it takes that first drink to kind of kick in yes. to like loosen up a little bit, but it's my favorite because I think, I honestly think that we're like a really beautiful left and right side of bumper bowling. We're like, you're not going <laughs> to say anything dumb we're not gonna let you look bad we're gonna have fun with you there's no questions that you have to be afraid of like we're just having a good time yeah you can feel the pressure release like in a turbocharged car with a blow-off valve you know you feel the pressure release yep like you're like there it is there it is there it is or a fucking instant pot maybe that's something that our (laughs) listeners maybe have a little more of uh, an understanding of but i love that and i love that it sounds weird, but it's almost like there's a, a bit of an inherent challenge when you have a guest and they seem perhaps at first to not really know what they're getting into and not know the seriousness of the obligation. Mm-hmm. But then once, you know, maybe it's question two or topic two that we delve into and you see them kind of like sit yep. a little more comfortably in their seat. It's my and favorite. Like it's my you favorite. Hear, and you hear the real laugh for the first time. <laughs> yes. Perhaps if it's someone we don't know, you hear the first laugh. You hear their real laugh for the first time mm-hmm. ever. And then, like, I think perhaps we have the same sense for here we go. Okay. Like, yes, let's just, we're drinking. We're, we're meeting at a bar. We're having drinks. This isn't a meeting. Mm-hmm. This is uh, a meetup. Yep. We're, yeah, we're, exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 I am, uh, I, I absolutely love that dynamic, and I think we've, we're pretty adept at that. We've yeah. done a fine job, I think. Yeah, yes. Huzzah. Huzzah. How would you answer that question? Uh, you know, I, uh, it, it's cool because, you know, we've talked about how when we started doing this, you know, we knew one another, but we weren't like, we were, I would say we were friends. Saying we're friends, this might even sound bad, but it's generous. You know, we're friendly. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We'd been around each other and we'd hung out. But um, hanging out, just the two of us, I think we hung out one time. I came yep. to your house and you had brisket. And it was yep. like you were just like kicking it. And you asked me if I wanted to come over. Other than that, we've hung out in groups and stuff. And that wasn't, by the way, that was not, a, it wasn't a great brisket. I gave myself like a B that day. Uh, I, I have made it better since. It was nice. So it was know. a good meal. Like the, the yeah. whole shebang was really nice. And we had fucking fun listening to records. Yeah. Getting drunk. Um just the two of us, it was cool. You know, that was, that was definitely, uh, I would say even that was, I wouldn't say it was like an audition or anything, but I think I knew that we could, um, have a dynamic as 
friends and people who have broadcast experience where it would lend itself really nicely to something like this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That actually was one I knew that I think we could do this together. I agree. <laughs> I totally would, agree. And it would work well. Yeah. I was like, well, if we could spend that much time talking and having fun, then I'm sure if we added somebody, it'd be fine. Absolutely. Um, my The thing that I have discovered via this, and it's something that you wouldn't really understand in a group, you almost need to be in like a closed circuit environment, is like your enthusiasm for um, learning mm. is um, infectious. And um, I really, I got to say, I like, I really adore how... Uh, how enthusiastic you are about um, guests' enthusiasm. So, yeah. like, when a guest is excited about something and maybe they're not an enthusiastic person, you almost add color commentary to a thing that they care about because, like, I love it when someone answers something and you're almost, like, not clearly decipherable on the mic because you lean back in your chair and you yell... Oh my God, I love that answer. Like, you know, like I, I always like kind of, kind of giggle at that simultaneously as you're doing it. So I'm ironically more readable on the mic than you are because yeah. you're like, Oh well, my God, I love it. I have there. I, I will say <laughs> that is, that is actually, a, um, that's, that's, that's a purposeful thing. I have, uh, I have two podcasts that I listen to that have hosts that have very loud laughs and shouts. Uh -huh. And uh, <laughs> one of them has gotten really good at moving away from the mic when he wants to be loud. Mm -hmm. And I love that. The other one, the, the co-host, literally <laughs> has to say mic down for this because I know you're going to freak out when they're playing clips. Uh -huh. And I don't ever want you to have to tell me to mic down. Like, you know, part of it is that I have the headphones on. So I know, like, I know I'm loud, but I know when I get really loud. So I try to do that myself anyway, but I am absolutely mortified of if there's ever a time where you're like, I want to play you something, but you literally have to move the mic away from your face because I know what's going to happen. And I'm always like, ah, like I get shushed all the time. So I just, it's, it's a thing I'm trying to do for you, the listener out there. I'm yeah. trying to do that for you. I'm, try I'm trying not to spare, scare you in your to car. Spare your earbuds if you're. Yeah, yeah you got that car cranked. Yeah. You're driving by someone with your windows down, and, and all of a sudden I get really excited. Yeah, you, yeah. the car next to you hears Ben Quam <laughs> screaming at the top of his lungs, just shrieking. Yeah. No, but like I, um, I admire that quality, and it adds to the authenticity of what we're doing here because we, we both have we both have sides where we can be like really clear, distinct, succinct, professional, technical. Mm -hmm. And we've discovered over these 60 episodes, how much of that to, to retain in a production of this nature. And even calling it a production sometimes feels like uh, disingenuous because that's not what we're, we're not, we never want this to be really highly produced because of the nature of what we're doing. We want it to be highly natural in, in its execution. We want yeah. it to be a barroom conversation. We always wanted that. It ended up like both intentionally and unintentionally turning into that where we're miking up, getting to know someone or getting to know someone better over beverages we're consuming in high quantities 
of varying levels, but we're just like having, um, mostly I would say like, it's like 95% having a good time. And sometimes like it gets, it gets real and that's good too. Well, and I think that's where like, I mean, my enthusiasm is absolutely real. And I think that a lot of people aren't used to having that in their circles because I really do want to learn. I want to learn what makes people tick. And we've had every human being that's been on the show, you included completely fascinate me. And I wish we could keep talking. I wish literally every single one of our guests, I wish we could do every week because I think there's more that we have to talk about. And I love, I love that. I love the stories that people have to tell because the more that we talk to people, the more that I realize so much of our experience is so shared but it's all segmented because of what we do for a living mm-hmm. or what we look like or what we believe in or what we listen to or what restaurants we go to or how much money we make. We have all these dividing lines that, that people put around us and sometimes we put on ourselves and others. And everything that I've done in my weird tumbleweed life has shown me that if you dig down deep enough, most people are pretty fucking great and pretty fucking similar. There are some people currently in our world, a lot of them are in power that I would not say that about, but for the most part, they won't you know, be on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and even looking at like some of the, the heroes in my world, I've been able to meet. I think I've said this on the show. Like some people say, don't meet your heroes. I'm like, get better heroes. Every single one of my heroes that I've been able to meet have been absolutely wonderful and amazing because I got to have a conversation with them and they were just normal people. And that's every time I get excited about that because I'm going to learn something like I, you know, I think back, I, I've talked about it multiple times on the show, but the Jim Valvano speech will always be one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my life. And his whole tenet was, if you can laugh and you can think and you can cry every day, that's a hell of a day. You know, that, if you could do that every day, it's a hell of a life. And I can't get to all three of those every day, but I can usually laugh and think. And, you know, when shit hits me, right, I've in the last few years more especially I've just tried to let myself like let the wave hit me and if tears fall tears fall but I'll take his cry as almost leaning into if it hurts lean into the hurt and think about the hurt and and be in it and figure out why it is that you're hurt because the more that you do that the more range of emotion yep Mm -hmm. and I mean the fact that we've had people none of whom were close friends of either of ours we've had multiple people cry on this show on questions that I don't think either you or I were going to think like, oh, this is going to get, I'll, I'll make him cry with this one or I'll make her cry with this. That's mm. never the intention. We're just coming up with things that we think will be interesting. It's part of the like, let it go where it's going to go Correct. nature of our conversations. And when we, it's a rabbit hole, when we let ourselves actually be open to everything, we can really feel everything. And so the enthusiasm that I try to roll into is a part of me trying to just be open to it. Like I'll get excited if you're excited, man. Tell me what you love and yeah, I'll try it. I'll, maybe I'll love it too. I'm, I'm into it though. Like why the, f- if yeah. this is somebody that I'm interested in and I'm talking to and you say you love this thing. Okay. For sure. Yeah. And I, and this is, this is super introspective, but I think that um, it has a positive effect on our listenership and, and um, you know, the number of people that, that are routine listeners of the program. And we hope that this mole that we've produced is, such that um, you're you want to come back and see what it's like each passing day two years later you know yep 730 days later you're still 
you know, if you still want to taste, then I think we're doing something right. Yeah. And so it's, we've let it happen organically, but also we guide it, you know, like sometimes I have to also, because of my personality, like let it happen. There are things where I want like to control it a little more than yeah. perhaps I need to. And so we're learning more every day how <laughs> to do this in a way that is, um, it's as natural as possible while still being like a real program mm -hmm. and not just a couple guys yelling into a mic with, you know, guests also yelling. And I'll still, mic. I'll still probably always be a little bit of an agent of chaos, <laughs> in like figuring out how we can throw a little bit more gas in that fire. Yeah. Because I, I also love that dynamic that there are, there are times where we're both trying to figure out how to make something really work. And then also times where we're like, fuck it, let's pull the rails off and see what happens, you know? Bonus shots and shit, let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if we're moving on to the Speaking of, of all of that, being goofy and having enthusiasm, uh, this might be the ugliest bottle of booze I've ever seen in my life. Uh, a, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, because of what I do for a living in the beer industry, I'm in and out of a lot of bars and a lot of liquor stores. Mm -hmm. And I have a few liquor stores that I really, truly love the owners and the managers of. And one of those I walked into today and he was pulling out. Was today? This, this was today. <laughs> uh, and as I was, uh, as I was <laughs> walking in, I saw what I could only describe as, um, what would have been a genie bottle in like a 1950s Disney cartoon. It is uh, all red. It is um, similar to like the teardrop style of like a rain vodka bottle. It is uh, uh, painted all red, I believe. Uh, or maybe it's, it actually might be like a wax coating on the inside of the bottle. I don't know. It is uh, uh, Branson's Royale which is 50 cents VSOP cognac. And uh, I, you know, I, I am not well-versed in my cognac knowledge, although a uh, guest of our podcast, Paul Hennessy, did an incredible job when he was at Bachelor Farmer learning me, as you would say. Um, this, is, uh, this is pretty tasty. It's very sweet. Um, but it literally, I had to grab it because it was the ugliest bottle ever. And uh, he said he'd give it to me at quite a steal if I just wanted to take it off of his hands. I told him that I was blown away that this was French cognac because the bottle looks like it should be some sort of like a, uh, a cherry or strawberry cream that you would pour into like a cream drink or maybe an ice cream drink like a pink squirrel. Uh, but I mean, just, just look it up online. Uh, it's, it's something. But I just poured some, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's here. <laughs> I mean... It's interesting it's called Branson, because it looks like it was made in Branson, Missouri. The, you know, the funny part was, <laughs> I, I thought he was giving me shit when he said it was 50 cents cognac. Okay. Because I saw Branson. I've never seen this, this fucking thing so, before tonight. And, okay, so the, the, it's all red, and then the, the font is all in gold. And when it said Branson's, I literally thought this might be Yakov Smirnoff's <laughs> cognac. <laughs> like, in Russia, cognac drinks you. I was, oh, oh, oh. I was waiting for that. 
And then he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not kidding. And I looked it up and like, sure as shit. Reviews on it are, are quite favorable. Um, and uh, that was- follow up to the four square. That was at a-, a <laughs> It was at a, a wildly different price point than I paid for it. Uh, I will tell you right now, I would not have paid sticker price for this. But uh, I have been drinking more brandies and cognacs because I'm also trying to diversify my spirits collection. And the history of brandy and the history of cognac yeah. are two wildly fascinating things right. to me. And something that just really has not penetrated outside of Wisconsin old fashions Uh or something former guest of the podcast, Adam Gorski, would like us to know more about. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Charles, I'm going to pass this bottle to you because I would mm-hmm. love to hear your thoughts. Dear God. It's, it, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it ain't, she ain't bad. It looks like a Russian building. It does. Yes. Here we are. Uh, welcome to uh, 50 Cent uh, uh, in the club. Yes. Is, uh, is good. Now we are in Ukraine. All right, that's a terrible joke. I had one trip in Vegas in my early 20s for my buddy Terry's birthday where that song literally played the whole time we were there. It's like the only song playing anywhere. There are, um, for, <laughs> for any of the fans of DJs or any DJs out there, uh, there are songs every now and then that come across that for whatever reason just kind of fuck you up on like where the start is. Um, there she goes by the laws. Uh, I can never, I can when so it starts with a, a quiet guitar intro and then the whole song comes in. I never hit when that song comes in correctly in the club. I never, I, I always had the worst time mixing it because it doesn't make sense to me really? where like where the two and the four are on it. It's a, oh, it's God. a fascinating like shuffle beat to it. And again, this is way too inside baseball for DJing, but uh, it always cracks me up because in the club used to always fuck me up. So there were like two or three songs that I knew exactly like how to mix it out of or into. And I always like, and once it's going, I can get (laughs) in and out, whatever. But going from a song into in the club, I always fucked it up. Or like I I thought I'd had it and I wouldn't like, I got to a point where I would just keep my headphones on Mm -hmm. and I'd miss it every time. But then I just spin the, the vinyl or, Spin the CD a little faster, and then I, you know, you can make it work, and then just blend in. But thanks a lot, fifty. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you gotta take a sip. Yeah, cheers to Curtis. Okay, not bad. Not bad. That's really fruity. <laughs> right. Wow, that's really fruity. And everything I read, it's an absolutely registered VSOP. It's done under all like the the French cognac controle, like I I don't think you're allowed to say that unless Maybe a hell of a banana cognac. <laughs> drip 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 banana cognac biatch. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Yeah. Topic number four. Four. I yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So you texted me from a plane. We've talked about this a number of times in the show. You texted me from the plane, like a two sentence idea for the show. Did you have any idea where this would go over these two years? Or if no, what's been the biggest surprise to you over the two years of where it is now to, or where it's headed now, maybe to where it was when you texted me with this idea? Cause you know, this ostensibly started in your brain on a plane mm-hmm. and rain over Spain. 
Yeah. I bring the pain. <laughs> you want to keep going? No, I don't. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, it is, has been remarked upon uh, a multitude of times throughout our 60 episodes. This idea came to me on a flight to San Diego. And I texted Quam about it, actually standing outside uh, a sushi restaurant called Hidden Fish. And I was <sighs> with uh, Brett and Carrie Splinter. In the autobiography of this show that they turn into a movie on TBS, it will still be that you were on a plane. For sure. <laughs> I don't know why I've always fucked that up. I, I do remember the huzzah moment. Like, I do remember, like, when I, I was like, oh, yeah, because I'd been, I'd been discussing doing a podcast with uh, another individual who is a local um, entrepreneur in the food and beverage industry, and, like, we had a very long, like a two year gestation period because I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like there was a concept. I thought it was just going to be more like guys talking into mics and no one listening. Cause you know, unfortunately, and, and <laughs> do you mean 90% of podcasts? <laughs> yeah, no, 99.9% of podcasts. And you know, I honestly, at the time I, that my expectation was on the floor that, you know, there's, there there are no expectations because I had no experience with producing a podcast. So I didn't know how it would play and I was comfortable with it. Uh, I was, I was okay with us experimenting and it possibly just not being right and, you know, having some fun and then moving on to the next thing. Cause we've both done that plenty of times in our adult yeah. lives tried things and they they were what they were and you enjoyed them for what they were and then you just kind of moved along i i had a music podcast that i loved very much called sounds good same and we got to i don't know i yeah, think I we were at pod. 14 or 15 episodes and it just became really hard to figure out schedules the studio was in in coon rapids and work was crazy and then covid and it was tough, but it, sure. most yeah, you things, did a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, speaking of ghost episodes, I did a podcast with you and Reavers one yeah. time that yeah. uh, just never released. That right, still but it still sits in the uh, the Westwood One Media Locker. Yeah, yeah. Canon yeah. met you guys and yeah. we recorded a podcast and it just never came out. So it's we you did, know we did eleven episodes and none of them got released. Yeah, so you that did, still sucks. So, so you had you know I'd never had a podcast of my own. I've been on a bunch, but I'd never had one of my own. And I know how these things can be, yep. right? I've been on pods of varying um, success and you could say of quality as well. It's just kind of, you need to, for anyone that is listening to this and is interested in starting your own podcast, just fucking do it. Do it. It's low. It's a, such a low risk proposition. Just listen to the Kieran episode. Just fucking start. Yeah. And don't let anyone, don't let anyone intimidate you into feeling like, oh, another podcast. Because even when we started this two years ago, there were too many podcasts and now there's too, too many. That doesn't mean don't fucking give it a spin, especially if you just, you want to express yourself. Every art that you love, every artist that you love was told at some point. Oh, don't do that. There's no money in that. It's not worth it. It's too much work. Yeah. Don't do it. Nobody will give a shit. I read. Uh, I can do it. I read this this quote today on I forget. I think it was on Instagram, but a guy who is a published author, and I can't remember who it was, or if I even I don't think I know who he is, but he said that um, the reason he became a writer is because a teacher told him in fifth grade that a poem he wrote about clouds was very good, and that you know what, you could be a writer someday. 
this is innocuous comment, right? So, I mean, okay, I, I don't know how much it means to you. Probably very little, but I'm going to say it anyways. You could be a you could be a podcaster someday. Go ahead. Fucking give it a shot, right? And I kind of entered this with the understanding that this could be nothing or it could be something. And at that inception point, which is when I texted you about it, because at the time, and I'd even discussed it with you, you may have been like the third man on the mic because, you know, in pro wrestling parlance, I was looking for like a color commentator. If it was going to be me and this other individual, I just I mean, wanted. to be honest, that's what I thought this was going to be. And I was like, oh, I got color all day. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's why it occurred to me that like in this particular arena, um, we would have a great dynamic between how we communicate um, not necessarily together because we had limited opportunities to communicate together. I think the only, yeah, our two, our two times that we communicated together in uh, uh, an avenue that would be absorbed by other human beings was when I was a judge at Iron Bartender and you were the MC. Mm-hmm. And when we had that podcast together, that didn't air. Yeah. So that was <laughs> so like the only real experience. It. Yeah. yeah. The only, <laughs> only real experience we had, but I was like, just trying to in my in my brain future cast that like would it would it work would it would it be a good foil and i thought it would be and so i kind of like put it out there um like fuck it you want to do this and uh you were immediately enthusiastic about it and i was like well that's a good first step that you were like fuck yeah that's that immediately elevated my expectations for how well we could do together but certainly I did not know that um, we would have like listeners all over the world and, <laughs> so and unbelievable guests that. Um, can we just know. put, can we, when we air this episode, can we just put the heat map up? Cause I'm, I, I look at that so much and I love like whoever our, our I listeners. I posted as a story at one point, just okay. to sort of, I posted it as a story. Cause like I'm, I'm also a little reticent to post stuff like that and be like, look at all our listeners. But when I posted it, essentially I was stating, because I do have uh, locals, because we're in the Twin Cities. I do have locals occasionally ask, like, why are you always framing exactly precisely where you are or where you've, where you've, like, dined if you're in the Twin Cities? And I always say, well, it's because we have a, a listenership that uh, is far beyond our borders. It, it, it's, it surprises me every time I look, honestly, mm-hmm. because it's very, in, in a sense, it's... Um, that's something I did not expect at all, yeah. even though, as you know, from the beginning, I stressed that quite heavily that, like, let's try and be uh, hospitable to listeners from outside of our borders because we're talking about things that are applicable to everybody. We're very seldom discussing anything that only applies to Minnesotans because, you know, we're well-traveled and, mm-hmm. and we, we, we're talking about, at times, uh, like, trends and things of that nature. And that's applicable to everybody. We're not just talking about what's happening here. We're talking about what's happening on this tiny blue marble. And I don't think we're that far away from from road shows and really bringing in uh, some pretty crazy uh, guests via mobile. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we we have a we already have a multitude of opportunities lined up for remote or in person recordings in Madrid. California, Chicago. If we went to Chicago for a week, we would have a very rough week of recordings. <laughs> I uh, I just got two texts this week from more people that would like to be on. Yeah. That's no, wild. It's... New York City, same thing. You know, uh, uh, 
literally Paris, London, Oslo. It's it's wild how much that's gotten. Like seeing the not just a gray dot, but like a red dot in Indonesia. That's amazing. Shout out to everybody who's listening anywhere. Like you're amazing, and and I hope I hope we get the opportunity to come record with people in your world. Yeah, like and, wherever and, you may be. And regardless of that, we're proud that the content we're producing appeals to people yeah. in different locations. And we hope we're appealing to you and um, that you keep listening. Uh, and we're, we're always thinking of that, but to, to answer your question, no, absolutely not. I, I had no idea um, how this would go and how many listeners we would end up having. And um, of course I'm like very pleased with how far we've come in two years and, and, and where we can go from here and, who knows where this is going to be another two years from now. Fuck yeah. How about you? What do you think? I think that I'm going to have a second pour of this Branson Royale. God, that name is that's too much. Your name. I'm sure it's it's got something to do like personally with, with him, but God. What's the uh, proof on this thing? 80, I think. Okay, because it, it drinks really light. Yeah, it's 80. Really light and fruity. Yep. Uh, I, okay. So you are more of the, uh, wrestling fan than I am, but much like my metal listening, I have also started watching more wrestling since you and I have started doing this. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who is a huge fan of eighties into the early nineties wrestling, and then also the WCW versus raw late nineties attitude war. When you texted me that, you struck me as like a perfect tag team partner because the tag teams that I don't like are the tag teams where they're the same person. Mm. And I mean, not to overly connect these two, but I felt like in my late teens and early 20s, I was trying to find somebody who was as thirsty for life and as enthusiastic and as crazy as I was. And those relationships never worked out. It was when I found somebody that I overlapped with somewhat, but then also was very different from me, that the best magic was being made. And the other thing that I really liked about you, that I like about you, I shouldn't say liked, past tense, that I like about you, was that I knew that you wouldn't back down to me. And I don't know if that sounds arrogant or not. I feel like it does saying that. I can steamroll people if they don't want to put up a fight mm-hmm. because I get excited about something or because I get really headstrong about something. And I knew that you wouldn't do that. So I felt like we had, it was like two separate wrestlers that people liked for different reasons that decided to come together and like, let's make this a thing. And right. then we would then go on to win the title. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, to me, the best tag teams were always that. And for sure. I just felt that, and I was hoping that that's how it would work out. And it was when I started to see a little bit of your goofy side, I was like, oh, shit, this actually was really going to work well. And then sort of the secondary thing that I loved was when we were putting those those first you know 20 or 30 guests together, the difference between the people that you and I were bringing in was not great, but it was enough that it wasn't drawing from the same well. And that was something else that I really enjoyed was that 
I felt like we had the opportunity to talk to more people than like if I had to bring in every guest that we would be able to figure out. And if you had to bring in every guest that we would be able to figure out, but if we had the two together and if we had our two personalities, the odds of you not being able to connect with one of us seemed rare to me. You know, like I, I always can see when when people don't like me, I'm like, Oh no, I, I get it. Everything you don't know, like about me. I really don't like about me, but that's my own (laughs) mental issues that I have to work through and I'm still working on. But like, knowing who you were and knowing how people that I really care about in this industry also felt about you. I felt like this could, this could work. And all this did was confirm that. Like, I feel like we've gotten even closer to a really great working partnership as far as the back and forth goes. Like I'm not going to (laughs) be, I'm not going to be facetious here. Some of the early episodes are hard to listen to for me, not because of our guests, but Mm -hmm. because I can see that you and I were still figuring out how to interact with each other. Sure. That was that relationship was changing and Mm -hmm. growing. And it still is. And it will continue too. But that's been the thing that I hoped I was right about. And that now I feel 100% validated about. Sure. Is that, I love, (laughs) all right, this is going to get, whatever, I don't care. We always talk about like expressing our love for other people. The thing that I've loved the most is that it's also affected you and I's ability to interact with each other. Like our ability to talk to other people's through really funny moments and through really serious moments has also then infected the way that you and I talk to each other. And I think that we have a different understanding of who we each are in our personal lives outside of all of this. Sure. And I think that that does a lot of people in when they're doing shows together because they don't either take the time to get to know each other or they find ways to find differences. And I, I really truly feel like we've tried to figure out even more ways that we're similar or noticed even more ways that we're similar. Or I would also dare to say that we also are, um, very accepting of one another's differences as people as well. You know, like, again, a peek behind the curtain, the way the sausage is made and stuff. You know, there's times where, like, I, I like, um, will kind of, like, micromanage or, like, micro-produce dynamics of kind of, like, how we do things. Not what we're talking about or, like, how we talk, but kind of, like, okay, maybe we need to change this part of the preamble because there's this dynamic I'm identifying about how guests interact with us and maybe like we could do like a small shift without changing the dynamic or making it feel artificial, you know, things like that. And like you put up with that, that I have to sometimes like rear my head in there and be like the producer to say, hey, I think that we should change the way that we do this particular thing because I think it's going to result in in a better product. Like, it's good for us to have, you know, we're like Hercules and Paul Roma, you know, power and glory. I will. We got to, we have to, like one of us has to do the power slam. The other one has to do the flying clothesline. I will, I will also say that, um, you know, like as, as you cruise through life and you pick up all these different things, I always think back to, um, Mitch Hedberg, the first time that I saw him live, and I think it's on one of his albums, but the first time that I saw him live was at Acme Comedy Club, and he made a joke 
and it died. No one laughed. And he's like, shit, man. The tough part about being a comedy is every joke is pre-approved as funny by me. And yeah. like, that sucks <laughs> when you guys are like, you are wrong. Yes. But I kept that with me that like. Part of why he's such a fucking genius. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, even one of the funniest human beings I have ever heard speak into a microphone funny. made failing funny. Yeah. And that always stuck with me as like, what a brilliant thing to acknowledge. And then B, uh, two of my favorite artists who I'm not going to name because I don't want people to get into like a debate about it, but their worst years were when they got famous enough that they got rid of everybody around them that was remotely critical. And ah. when I have been, when I have been the least favorable to myself were moments where I didn't have anybody weighing in on anything that I was doing. Mm. And to me, if I love you and if I trust you, then what you tell me is something that I have to take internally. And as somebody who also is, because of your ability to remember everything, I will usually trust you in telling me like, hey, I was thinking about this, like da 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 da, because I am so in the moment that a lot of times I don't, I don't hear things mm, outside right. of making sure that I can hear everybody in my headphones. Yes. That's the only thing that I'm really worrying about. Right. And then it's being, it's being present in the conversation. So when you say things like that to me, I take that as, Oh shit. Okay. You're sitting without these headphones on and you're just watching the whole dynamic of everything. And you also hear things differently than I do. If you're noticing this, then yeah, let's, let's see how it works. The rolling start. Great example. Like, I love it. For that's, sure. That, that's amazing. You know, uh, us getting rid of the timer. For those of you old school fans yeah. who remember the timer, getting rid of that, greatest thing ever. Holy mm -hmm. shit, greatest thing ever. It became- right. but it, almost was a, it was almost a necessary function for beginning because yeah. we wanted to make a determination of well, we had, like we, how long- We had we no idea if people and, were going to want to talk that much, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that was, that was a very- to, to try you know at the time that like there'd be some topics we would want to talk about for six minutes and then some topics we want to talk about for 36 minutes <laughs> yeah you know and now they're like all like 36 minutes and that's it's great I, I love that but that was I think if you accept somebody as a collaborative partner then you have to accept them as a collaborative partner so when you're saying something we're like we're on the group project bro like we're getting the same grade and if you're seeing something differently than I am, like if I'm passionate about a hard no on something, I will be. But everything that you've asked when I've gone home, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Let's try it. And once it started feeling natural, that's honestly, here, here's another behind the scenes thing to all you listeners. My favorite part about producing this after we're done recording is trying to figure out where I want to flick the switch on and where we start recording. Yeah. It is never when I hit the button. It has not been when I hit the button once. Because that wouldn't be a no. that wouldn't be the the Daytona five hundred solo the the roll in. Yeah. Cause then it would be like, okay. But yeah, because and that that's interesting too, because you know, usually when we start out, all of it's good conversation, but it doesn't mean it's the right time to start. It's a, <laughs> Fuck. It, it's in the box. <laughs> Can you reach it? It's in the box. It's in the box. Oh, he's, <laughs> I can't it. reach that other lock. <laughs> I'm trying to get the cutter because we're about to light up another cigar. Um, sorry. Yeah, it, it, there, there's, there's plenty, you know, behind the scenes that obviously, and I hope this isn't like, hope this isn't 
too introspective for listeners. I hope this is an enjoyable conversation. We like to do this once in a while, kind of just talking about the way we do things and, and you know, our, our personal and professional relationship. But it's pretty cool over these last two years to see the way it has changed. Is this, is it perfect? Fuck no. But by design and also not by design. This is not a perfect production. It's never going to be perfect. And if it were, it would be off-brand. We would be doing something that we did not intend yeah, to do. fuck that. We don't want this to be, like, we don't want this to be super clean. We want the mic to fall into a pan of dumplings. Still one of my favorite moments. Yeah, like, we, we and I got video of that that we've still never posted, and we should at some point. But, uh, yeah, the, and, and, like, the professional relationship that we have. And, again, it's not it's not perfect. We aren't necessarily communicating everything to one another in the exact manner that we need to but we're we're making it work just like anybody else everything you're doing in your life or what you're doing right now while you listen to this if you're like milling about the house with your earbuds in and you're just like trying to get your shit done we're we're kind of operating on a on a similar wavelength yeah and we we all we both have tons of other things going on you know we have full-time careers and spouses and pets and and obligations to other people it's just trying to be the best that we can because this has become one of my favorite things in my life 100 percent. like i i love agreed these conversations every single time i end up feeling like that was one of the highlights of my week oh yeah and it i think that um similarly to and we've discussed this before it's it got us through some dark days during lockdown and uh you know we've had listeners tell us the same thing that they were really pleased to be able to sort of experience these conversations with us because it made them feel a sense of normalcy that wasn't otherwise present and there's no way we could have designed that when we started this podcast we were it was like at the precipice of this pandemic and we stated in certain terms that we didn't really want to talk about it because we didn't know how long it was going to last and we didn't want people to feel any like sense of negativity. But as time has gone on and this has become endemic, um, there were, there was sort of a point where we naturally decided like, let's just be real. Let's be real. You know, like people are going through shit and they also want to like, let them escape through us, but it doesn't mean we can't talk about it because we've learned we, you can't escape reality. Like, let's not escape reality. Let's nope. be, let's be real. And, and honestly remind each other that this is also a thing that's going on and mm-hmm. why we need to be careful and why we have to move venues sometimes. I think that kind of honesty has also helped with that in that For sure. we're right here with you. Like everything that's going on is happening to us too. And we're just going to keep trying to figure it out Anyways, together. TLDL. We're having a fucking good time and we hope you're having a good time too. Woo! Uh, all right. Well, fucking a number five. Oh, what are we drinking? What's next? Oh, I just hit that. I hit that fifty one more time. Oh, dude, he's crushing this. Well, all right. Uh, fifty sponsor us, baby. I mean, I'm down. I'm down. Uh, I'm down. If we want to switch it up, though, I can knock this back quick because this uh, cafe tomorrow is pretty lights out. Now, let me get some of this shit. You hitting that? There we go. The genie bottle. Give me some more of that fifty. <laughs> I mean, I like, again, I would just love to have been, I would love to have been in the meeting where they designed that bottle. I I just can't believe that a room full of people with that kind of money behind it 
we're like, no, this is what it's going to look like. I'll tell you right now, from someone who works in packaging, I'm like 90% sure that this was an option of something that already existed that they could procure but claim as their own from some producer in China that does packaging. Yeah. I almost guarantee you Do, that. You know what? Actually, the more that you say that, that's 100% right. It's, they might have been like, this fuck is it, like, let's get that this one. This is like a bite you that yeah, like, they Curtis, took the bottle. Curtis, what do you want? <laughs> Let me get that one, you know, because it doesn't make sense. It, no sense. it does not look like fucking cognac. It's not a cognac bottle. It's this opaque. weird, bulbous, Russian-ass-looking bottle. That's called Branson. Yep. Like, nothing about this says cognac. Branson Royale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing about this says cognac. <laughs> well, fucking hey, Cheers. Funny. To Yakov Smirnov in Branson, Missouri. Fucking A. Uh, on podcast, Cognac drinks you. Fuck it. Okay. Oh, man. Where we at? All right. Ooh. 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 Hey. Moonshot. This is something we say a lot. So we, we this is a thing that we discuss. Um, we call it a moonshot when we're trying to get a dope-ass guest, which is a lot of our guests. You can probably guess a handful of them that, you know, guests were, were like, can, can we get this guest? Let's give it a shot. And it's, in many cases, it's people we actually know. It's just we don't always, we don't have a full confidence necessarily that they want to come on our show. But that's also why our success uh, daily comes as a surprise to us because we're trying to stay humble, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Like, oh, shit, all right. Stephanie March wants to come kick Fuck, it. Fuck, what? Go. Okay. So this is the moonshot question. Uh, name a dream guest that is either unattainable or that you believe we could get on here uh, in the next year. <clears throat> All right. So um, there's one person that we've talked about before I'm not going to talk about because I think it's going to happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we have failed in the sports world. And uh, I'm not going to step on your toes because I uh, feel like there was somebody that you already took a first swing at. But... Um, we have a number of uh, Minnesota Twins and Minnesota Vikings that are still in this world that I would love to have on. Um, I feel like the window may be too far gone for Alan Page, even though I got to interview Alan Page when I was 20, and it was one of the best interviews that I've ever had. Um, oh, yeah. But I think he might be a little bit too old to sit down with a couple of us and, and have drinks. I don't mm -hmm. know. Could Another be. dynamic we have to consider. We don't always know if someone Correct. is an imbiber. Uh, and we don't want to be rude. Yep, 100%. Um, Something we respect. Also, if you're listening to this and you're not a drinker, we're, we're so respectful of that. We, we, want, we always want to... Uh, we, we don't want to approach somebody that Correct. isn't drinking and say, come drink with us. Yep. So that's something we're, we're obviously very sensitive to. Mm -hmm. And I think somewhere down the road, we, we may find a way to, to do like an interesting sober episode with maybe yeah. some of the things that we've had from We've been from discussing Marco. it yeah. all along the line That's that we're the, open to it. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to a point where we can figure out exactly what that would look like. We had a guest that didn't drink, and it was Tony mm -hmm. Fly. Mm -hmm. He did substances of another sort. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's legal in California. He was hitting that pen. No, I didn't say it was illegal, but he did substances of another <laughs> yeah. sort. Yeah. yeah, he did the marijuanas yeah. and like lots of marijuanas, and we did the motherfucking boozes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alan Page, just because of his incredible athletic career and his incredible political career and everything legend. that he has done. A legend in every way. Like that. He needs a movie. He was, yeah. He needs 100%. a movie, he Hollywood. He needs a fucking movie, Hollywood. He 100% is, is a human being that uh, I would consider my hero. 
And uh, to be able to ask him more adult questions than I did when I was 20, I would, I would give anything for. I would very, very much love that. Uh, I also, well, it's tough when you're thinking about like politicians because then you have to bring in their politics and all of that. Uh, our governor, Tim Walls, I think would be a lot of fun to have a few drinks with. And I think that would be uh, a lot of fun. Um, I also have been fortunate enough to have uh, befriended a few, uh, well, a few musicians that I really, really look up to. And I think my ultimate moonshot guest would be Butch Walker, who uh, is the musician that's meant the most to me for the longest amount of time. Uh, I could jockey with uh, him and... Uh, Scott from Frightened Rabbit and Billy from the Augustines and then his solo career with Billy McCarthy and honestly, even Dave Grohl, who I just want to fucking meet so bad. But uh, Butch Walker has been the artist that's meant the most to me since the first time I saw him live. Actually, till the first since the first time that I saw his first music video with Marvelous 3 in 98. Um and I've gotten to have a single drink with him, and uh, we shared a very long hug. And it was one of my first dates with my now wife. And uh, she, to this day, will still say that I've never seen you smile that big in my entire life. Uh, and I, I, would, I think that he would be amazing and fantastic. Uh, he's an incredible solo musician. He's an incredible band musician. And then on, time, on top of all of that, he's also produced... Uh, amazing songs produced and written songs for Pink and for Fall Out Boy and for uh, SR71. Like the list goes on and on and on. Uh, now he's been doing some stuff in sort of the, the alt country world. He's just one of the most amazing performers ever. And uh, he wrote an autobiography that I read in two days. And I would have read it in one day if I hadn't started it at 10 o'clock at night. Um, and just the the amount of stuff he was on tour. He was the first hair metal band. He was a guitar player in the first hair metal band to tour China. And they were on tour when Nevermind hit. And then the record label was like, we're done with hair metal. And they got their tour canceled in the middle of their Chinese tour. Damn. In 91. And then they had to figure out how to get home from China. And that's how his like music career started. And he is coming to play here in the Twin Cities on October 17th. And my wife and I are going, and that'll be my 12th show seeing him. Every album that he puts out is different because he makes enough money producing and writing for other people that he just puts, to, he puts a band together of his favorite musicians at that moment. And then they all write an album together. They go out on tour with it. And then everybody else goes their own ways. And then he goes and back, he goes, writes for other people and then puts another album together and does the same thing again. And that devotion to just wanting to never, ever do anything more than like a 700 to a thousand seat or capacity concert venue. I, I, I love it. Like he's one of the very few people that I've fallen in love with that I've never had to go to an arena show for, which I still will. Don't get me wrong. I will always go and do all that. But like, <clears throat> I feel like there's, there is some sort of timeline in my actual world where we could get him on. But if I had to say like the ultimate celebrity or like the moonshot of all moonshots, mm -hmm. I would love to have Bruce Springsteen sit down 
and have some drinks with us and talk about what he has seen from playing in a cover band in Asbury, New Jersey in, what, 72, to, like, having a podcast with Barack Obama. Like, I, that is a life. I, I would give anything to just be able to talk to that guy. It's a about, sunshot. Well, and, and, like, all we ever get are, outside of his autobiography that he wrote, all we usually ever get are, like, all of the really easy, like, Hallmark card questions. Like, I would love to just sit down and talk about, like, what do you like to eat when you first get home from tour? You know, like, I, th that's the shit I would love to know about him because that's the stuff I don't know about a human being who I know every single album he's put out. And I know things about the how it was recorded and who produced it, who was the engineer, and how long did it take to get the drum sound for Born to Run? Like, all the shit that I love, I've nerded out about all that. The only thing I don't know is, like, him outside of all that. So I think that would that would be my ultimate ultimate. So attainable moonshot, Butch Walker, and I'm putting attainable in quotes. And then the ultimate ultimate would be Bruce Springsteen. What about you, Charles? I thought uh, I thought we were gonna go for uh, climb up on my faithful steed. <laughs> well, then I'm on a ride, gonna, gonna smoke, smoke some weed. I mean, he is a dream human being to talk to. I absolutely. Climb but up on my big ASD. As far as I understand, he is currently not drinking. Uh, <laughs> Jack and, Black, uh, by the way. And I did find I did out get a word wrong in there. Sorry. That uh, Jack Black Tenacious also listeners. gets absolutely paranoid <laughs> about interviews and won't do them unless he has to. He has like complete panic attacks about being on like the open forum. Like he'll do interviews when he gets the questions and okay. can respond. Full disclosure, he's performing at Surly Brewing Company. Correct. The brewing company that I work for. In the near future. So I get to go to see Tenacious D for work, which is, Ugh. you know, it's so tough. The worst. <laughs> uh, so I, I floated out a DM to um, Hall of Fame NFL player John Randall. Like legend. I mean, I wanted to say that, but I couldn't step on you because you were the one that put it out there. Yeah, and uh, I have a little familiarity with him. It's funny because he goes to the same cigar shop I go to. It's called Tobacco Grove. I've mentioned it before. It's in Maple Grove, Minnesota. He's there every Monday, buys a big pile of boxes, sometimes hangs out, sometimes doesn't. And I don't think he recognizes me because I'm much beardier than when in my youth I worked at Chinders, but um, I had some experience with going to like uh, signings and, and, and dealing with signings and stuff. And um, I basically sent my moonshot DM to him like, hello, I know you like alcohol. Uh, you may not remember me, but maybe you would if I remind you essentially kind of stating what we do and, and seeing if you, I, I don't know how Instagram he is because I definitely ended up in the other folder. He doesn't follow me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, maybe he'll see it someday and be like, hell yeah. Also, I'm uh, morbidly obsessed with getting some kind of like pro wrestling personality on here. Have to. Just because of, you know, my my absolute obsession with that art form. I would say the between those two, that's kind of I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the pin on Johnny Randall. That would be fucking awesome to just like he is so kind and jovial and, and fun. He's so fucking fun to hang he out with. He is so fucking cool. It would be it would be unbelievable to just have a conversation with that guy on on record and just be able to have a have a have a podcast with him. So that would be it's my short yeah. answer. The very first time that I met him, 
he said something funny and I responded to it and he looks at me and he just goes three times. And I was like, what? And we went for the high five and I was like, I'm just going to hit it three times and hope that's what he was talking about. And it yeah. was. Okay. And that was it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh shit. All right. Absolute there boss. There we go. Fucking legend. Yep. And, and then he turned and around and like, immediately forgot my face. <laughs> and just a big, big time shit talker on the field. Perhaps I would say that he is the, the preeminent on field defensive shit talker. Like his mic'd up sessions, if you, you know, want to look this up after this podcast on the YouTubes of him just like talking shit to Brett Favre, they had this cool dynamic where Favre was terrified of him and he wanted to kill Favre, but that was like their dynamic mm -hmm. is he'd be like, you know, I'm going to get you, you know, I'm going to get you, you know, I'm going to get you. And then they snapped the ball and, he'd, and he got you and he, he got you. <laughs> he used to do research on like, other players' families so they oh, yeah. can call out family members and, like, talk shit about them just to get yes. people in their own heads. The only person that I've ever seen in all of pro sports that did more work was uh, Ichiro for the, the Seattle Mariners. He would learn shit-talking in everybody on the infield's, like, home language. Another he'd learn... He'd absolute learn, fucking legend. Like, learn slurs in, like the Dominican and learn slurs in like Appalachia or wherever, like the second baseman was from, he would figure it out exactly like all the worst things to say. And then right before the pitch, he would say some shit so that they were in their own head. Like, wait, what did he just fucking say? And then they're not paying attention to the play. Like uh, legends. Inso it, well, yeah, like legends. Insults, not like racial slurs. But no, no, no. No, just like, how do you say some shit that somebody only from their neighborhood would say to right, them? Right, like, what? hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, it, like, Randall had such an effect uh, on that culture and that capability that um, when Chris Hovan, essentially, for the Vikings, came in behind him on the defensive line when uh, Johnny Randall moved on to the Seattle Seahawks, Hovan adopted the exact technique of, like, he would, you know, it would, he like say like a specific family member's name to the quarterback that you would never know, which yep. is again, the, the varying levels of ethics involved here, but he would be like, how's your cousin like Janine or something like that. And they'd be like, huh? I'm going through. What? <laughs> what Just the fuck? Did he, anything like, to rattle him. Again anything to rattle him. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So that, yeah, absolutely. Man, fucking Johnny Randall. Let's try and get Johnny Randall on here. I, I mean, let's speak it into if existence. I, next time, next time I see him in person, I'll be like, "What up? I sent you a, I sent you a DM. Do you want to come on our program? We'll come to you. We'll bring whatever you want. Absolutely. Oh hell yeah! We'll Done. go to Johnny Randall's house. I'll go to Johnny Randall's house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll wear Vikings jerseys. Let's fucking go. <laughs> well, shit. All right. What are we drinking next here, Quam? Uh, all right. So, uh, to. To, I, I tried to bring sort of a, a weird array of things that we haven't really had uh, on the show. The 2007 uh, Foursquare was like a tribute to something that we talked about, but we didn't have. Uh, but this Cafe Romero is, uh, is from Jay Riegers in Kansas City, and they make a blended whiskey that I am absolutely mm. in love with. It's very affordable. It's delicious. Uh, they, uh, they make their whiskey on a column and pot still combo age it and then they mix in um two percent of sherry so i i love the sweetness to it i think it's great it's literally termed by the government 
Kansas City whiskey. They do a bottled and bond uh, run of it. So it is an official American whiskey. I went there for that. And then uh, I was introduced to their Amaro, which uh, is absolutely spectacular. And then it's backfilled with, if I remember right, it's 10% of a high-octane cold-pressed coffee that a local roastery does. And it is everything that I love about cold press and everything that I love about Amaro's put together. And it just recently hit the Twin Cities market. So I thought it would be fun to bring this on and have this be something that we could drink that was special to me, but also is like within the last two months, brand new in this market. So let me uh, pour a little bit out for us. Yeah, if you don't mind um, also pouring some in my class the uh the lack of sunlight has definitely changed my ability to judge depth here so yeah we i'm gonna lean out, off the mic for uno momento we brought the solar fucking jar that i have here so that we can see what the hell we're doing thank you sir yes 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 okay all right let's uh i have not had this yet Ooh. it i i love this so very much dude it sounds it might sound uh unusual but on the nose i get a lot of fernet. Absolutely. And what I love is... I mean, it's an Amaro, so go figure. Yep. The sidestep from it, there's a ton of cinnamon and clove in there. Um, there's definitely some star anise. But I love oh, the... Oh, yeah. The roasty notes of the coffee in there, to me, it just gives it a different depth. Yeah, it come that you, you don't get a lot of coffee on the nose. Not at all. But as it, like, escapes your palate... Especially with the cigar. That is a great cigar sipper right there. Knowing that we were going to be outside smoking cigars, I hemmed and hawed for a second, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, I knew the at least the genre of cigar that I was bringing, and I'm like, okay, I feel like this is going to be a very beautiful kind of, like, finishing one. And the nice part about this is that it's a perfect mix of, like, my wife and I's palate because she doesn't love super medicinal astringent uh, Amaro's the, the way that I do. Mm-hmm. But she loves, loves the bitterness of, like, straight espresso. And so this brings in her level that she's comfortable with of astringency. It adds a little bit of sugar in there. There's definitely some sweetness. Mm-hmm. And then it has my level of the medicinal in there. So it's kind of a, a perfect mix altogether. But this bottle retails for, like, 30 to 32 bucks. And Ooh, the, the coffee, like, makes it. Absolutely. I think actually I would like this a lot less without the coffee. Hundred percent. It almost like has a chicory characteristic. <laughs> you know the funny part is that's what I said when I was there, and the guy told me he goes, "Then you, if you said that, you have to love coffee, and you have to love Amaro, and you have to love New Orleans." I'm like, "Yep, check." Yeah, all things that are we are worth loving. Uh, we were we were a part of a tasting of I think it was 22 people. And he asked who liked this one, and Jenny and I were the only two that raised our hands. Everybody really? else, yeah, they were all making like the oh. the Keystone bitter beer face. It was uh, wait, how long ago was this? Uh, we this tour was I don't know four months ago, five months ago. Oh shit! Yep. Wow, that's surprising because you'd think like right now this would be something that people would be more open to. We were on a very touristy well, tour, but also people were there not for something like this. Most of the, the people, whiskeys. They right? were at a whiskey distillery, and most of the people said the vodka was their favorite. Oh, so, okay, yeah, it was uh, shit. What the fuck were they doing there? It was a Disney tour that. It was one of, I'm sure it was one of those things like people got Groupons and they came out. You know, I'm glad we were drinking this because uh, when we were 
um, recording with Joan a couple episodes back, uh, three episodes precisely, uh, John Olson from Libation Project came, you know, we were like, he was there and hanging out in the background and uh, I discussed or mentioned when he and Adam Gorski used to float around the Twin Cities after La Belle V closed and we're doing their True Penny uh, uh, little cocktail takeover situations, which yeah. were super cool. They did one at uh, Tattersall Distilling in Minneapolis. And I will tell you straight up that I never understood hot cocktails. I mean, I had... You know, this is a story for another time, but, you know, I used to drink Irish coffees with one of my professors in college, LOL. Like, we'll talk about this at another time. <laughs> but the first time I had a hot cocktail that, like, really made me go, shit, you can make a really good hot cocktail, was they made one there at Tattersall for their True Penny takeover that was, like, coffee. It might have been chicory, I don't remember, and, like, sassafras and, like, a myriad of things. And it... Very this, similar to this. This is very evocative of that. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to mention it. And even listening back to that recording, it made me think like, oh, God, I wish I brought that up. Because he and Adam enticed me into enjoying hot cocktails, like hot hot drinks, you know? like It's, it's a thing that uh, now everybody's doing. Everyone's fucking doing them now. Hot toddies are last winter were everywhere. In the U.S. I will say that uh, espresso martini is not hot, but espresso martinis are also having a renaissance right now. And uh, an espresso martini with this? Get the fuck out of here. Incredible. Absolutely I, incredible. I would, I'd love to try that because I'm not a big espresso martini guy. I feel like it's uh, misbranded. I also don't put it in a martini glass, but it, it's just an espresso no, cocktail. I feel you. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, a, it's an espresso drink for sure. All right. Well, fuck. <coughs> let's tee it off. Yeah. Uh, shit, this is me, yeah? That is you. Uh, all right. So, I I feel like one of the things that has made me feel the most fortunate about this show so far is the amount of knowledge, the amount of uh, lessons, and the amount of discussion that has turned into, like, a learning moment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh what would you say the biggest lesson that you've taken away from the last 60 episodes has been? Guests have implored a great deal of knowledge upon us. Uh, there have been an unending number of quotables regarding an unending number of topics that I could specifically refer to. I think that it would be disingenuous to select like a singular topic and say like, that's the one, at least like for me, from my vantage point, because I'm looking at this almost more like um, as an outline narrative of, of everything that we've accomplished to this point. I would say that uh, the, a lesson that we've learned, and it's something that I already knew because this was born out of um, the original Libations for Everyone and me recording people that I was writing about for my original series called Libations for Everyone and the, those other series, um, but it has been fleshed out more because of uh, the nature of, of our, our production, 
what we're doing here. And it'd be that um, our guests and I guess by extension, um, many people, including, you know, our, our listeners who we adore, um, just just want to be known for for who they really are as as human beings. That's been it's been yeah. It's, yeah. it's been huge, you know. Yeah. Like um, people want to be heard. Um, it, it's okay to um, it's okay to tell someone what you're about outside of like, especially in the U S you know, a lot of, a lot of what we do here when you ask somebody like, how are you too frequently? It, it means, um, how's, how's work, you know? And I guess if you, if you think of it in terms of what we do here, where when we say, how are you here? We're not saying how is your business? And it's, this is like a beautiful question and it's a good time to discuss this because of all of what we discussed at this point, because the way I look at it is I love that our guests get to understand throughout our discussions that we're not specifically asking them about the things that everybody asks them. We're not asking them like your work does not define who you are how's the drink how's the pastry how's the ice how's the band how's the we're saying how are you in in a way that like i really deeply appreciate i love that we bring down people's shields you know they take off the iron man armor and they get to just talk about who they are because everybody wants to be known for who they really are as a person and not for what they do. Can I, can I behind the sausage this like mm-hmm. one more time? Behind so the sausage <clears throat> behind the sausage. It's like behind the curtain and how the sausage is made well, it's smushed together. <laughs> We're behind the sausage right now. Right? I like that sausages. Better. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, isn't that what this is? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry for that joke. Uh, but no, I I really love uh, I love the fact it always feels clunky, and I I wince when I say it. But the reason that I always phrase it, let everybody know who you are and what you're up to right now. Mm-hmm. I phrase it that way specifically because I don't want anyone to feel like this is why you should be known. I don't want anybody to feel like your career is the only reason that you should be known. And I interject part of the reason we say it before we get into the meat is so that we can say like, tell us about what you're doing for work and then let's talk about yep. you. It's, it's a one-two punch that I honestly think has affected people a lot more than I realized. I started becoming cognizant of it in like the mid-30s episodes because mm. when I asked people, like, who are you and what are you up to? They almost were, like, confused by the question. And I oh, just Almost like, them, which part should I answer? Yeah, and they just, mm. they'd, they'd say their name and then sort of, well, this is kind of what I'm doing right now. Cool. That mm-hmm. That's, I don't want you to feel like this is a career interview. Because if you have had press. It's not. It's only about what you're doing for work. And it's not about who you are. 
Very rarely. I shouldn't say not. It's very rarely about who you are. There are times that like Steph March or Joy Summers does really cool like think pieces on who these humans are. Mecca, obviously her career right now is doing deep dives on amazing things. But honestly, like I want people to understand like what are you up to right now? Because that's not who you are. Who you are is what we're going to talk about. Who you are is what we're going to have a great discussion talking about. And like, how do you feel about the world? Like, that's where we're going to go. I don't, I, I specifically don't want anybody to feel like this is me putting you on blast because you did a thing that made it cool for, through work for someone to know you. Although that may be some of the reason that we found people, but just because we found you through work doesn't mean that's what we got want. Here. Yeah, that's right. not your identity. It's not. It's how you got here, but it's not who you are. Correct. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But I think that's perhaps the more notoriety that someone has, the more liberating it is to just be able to be a person. Yeah. And when you think of the concept of what we're doing here, we're not drinking we're not drinking copious amounts of alcohol to bring down people's sensibilities. What we're doing is asking them to meet us at the table and be who they actually are. What we want is to learn about people that you know for other reasons, but we want for them to tell you who they are as a human being in real life, yep. which is all any of us really want. And usually, I mean, in ordinary circumstances and your mileage will vary, but people, people want, people want the people they communicate to, to know who they are as a person. They don't want them to know what they do for a living. And a lot of people we have on here, you know who they are for what they do. What is the point to be an echo chamber for the things that they do when, you know, you you see it a lot in movies now where like someone does like the press set and they answer the same eight questions and forgot what show it was recently. And they're like, who should be the next Spider-Man? And they're like, Jesus Christ, why am I answering this question? What a weird, I don't remember what show that was, but like, oh my God, like we're just, you know, it's all like industry, 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 or like what you do, like your vocation, your, your... Like, man, if you want to know who uh, Chris Reavers is, you can listen to his show. If you want to know who Steph Marsh is, you can read this, the things she writes or listen to her programs. Or if you want to know who, like, uh, Justin Sutherland is, and man, he's, hey, Look at in, in those terms, you know, like, yep. it, for all these people, speaking in those terms, if you want to know who they are, it's like, you have every opportunity to understand who they are in that But if you want to if you want to get to know them, know them. Yeah, like if you want to learn about who they are and what they love and 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 it's not like we're looking behind the curtain and telling you things that you shouldn't know because we're allowing them to express as much as they do or don't want to express to you. But I've learned through this because we didn't know how that would go mm-hmm. when we started doing the preamble really early on and essentially telling people, uh, all you're really going to talk about with what you do for a living is in the beginning when we ask who you are and what you do, unless you want to express 
more about that yep. via topics that often have almost nothing to do with those specific uh, uh, appendages of your existence. And via that, man, what I've learned is that so many of our guests, um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be um, hyperbolic, but we've had so many guests after the completion of our recordings that practically are like shaking, like with enthusiasm regarding the fact that they got to just say what they're about or yep. express things that they've, they've never been able to express to anybody in a form of media. Or just that nobody's asked. You know, like, I mean, not to like yeah, jump There's not on a lot it. of mediums for it, right? There's <clears throat> mediums, sorry. There's not a lot of mediums for that, that's, right? If, do you mind if I, if I jump in on, on my answer? Please do. Because that's, that's the thing that, that has floored me the most is like the most, I, I, I'm not going to say the most famous, but like the most widely known guest that we've had. The same compliment is given at the end of every of one of those episodes. And it's, thank you for just letting me talk about me. Because no one asks those questions. And I, I can't imagine how crippling that must be. Because I'm like marginally known in a small city in the Midwest. And I get irritated because a lot of people think that they know who I am. Extra whether medium. it's yeah, extra medium. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a I'm an extra medium, extra medium market. <laughs> um, but like, there are so many people that just think that they understand what you, who you are, because of what you do, and getting like, no, but they, I don't think they, uh, to interject, no, 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 interjection. No, I don't think they. I don't think a lot of people um, perhaps realize that they can learn more because the presumption naturally is that maybe they don't want you to know, but yeah. we kind of feel our way around because the totally. topics we present, you could go, you can go like surface, mm -hmm. but you also can go like deep. You can go fucking, yep. you can go down the rabbit hole if you want to. And man, it's a, I would say like a 95% success rate of guests really wanting to say like, Hey, here's, here's a thing about me that you don't know because it's, it's something that no one's ever asked me. And, um, to varying levels, I've maybe never felt super comfortable telling anybody because you would almost need to selfishly interject in a conversation with like a standard form of media to say like, what you feel about, I, I can't even think of like a specific specific example, but it's it's liberating in a sense. And how many times, Quam, have we had a guest after we've finished and we've wrapped and we're breaking down equipment that said to us, that is by far my favorite conversation that I've ever had. It's my favorite compliment the media. ever. Like that's yeah, and you it know, means so much to me. It means so much to me because I I I know I like again on my very very small level of like quote unquote fame. I know how many times I have to answer a lot of stupid questions, and when somebody actually asks me something about who I am, 
it means so much to me. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into details, but um, episode 58 was with Longshot. And mm. I gave him a ride home afterwards. And we sat in my car for another half an hour just talking because he felt like he still hadn't said enough about some of the things that we talked about. And him and I just went back and forth. He's coming out again. He was... I, I, I absolute absolute joy to have on uh, again to have an artist that I loved that I've interacted with twice in like fleeting moments like we bullshitted for five minutes tops oh wow like I didn't That's I didn't it. know that and I I never would have like read that from our conversation either we we met all of us really because <laughs> that's awesome man so long- i already i already have so much love for him <laughs> so at the the will steger climate change fundraiser that we mm-hmm. were both at yes that was when we met so that was 2018 we met there and we talked for maybe five minutes and then uh he had an episode on your 40th or he had a concert on your 40th birthday we talked about it in the episode i i left your 40th birthday and then i went to the show and we talked for like another five or ten minutes afterwards that's it and that was all i knew about that guy but like i listened to his music and i listened to what he said and i just knew that that was like a wealth that it was both a wealth of knowledge and a well that i wanted to like dip into and the more that we talked the deeper that episode got. And then when I gave him a ride home, like we were just chatting and then we pulled up and like the only reason we stopped talking was because we looked out out the window and his girlfriend had just rolled up in her car and was like at the door knocking. (laughs) It was like, all right, sorry, man. I'm not trying to try to step on you for that. But that's one of the things that I've really, really loved about this is just those Everybody just wants to be heard for who they am, who they who they am, who they are. Sorry, the uh, <laughs> the cognac and the malort. I just use the uh, the phrase who they am. So we're we're doing well, and also that's a little bit illuminating because it seemed uh, in that particular conversation that. That was that was definitely one instance, and you know I don't want to be presumptuous, but it seemed like he uh, was racing to tell us stuff that people don't ever ask him to say. But that's why I know he needs to. I would I would love to have more conversations with him because he has so much knowledge to impart, and we've had so many guests like that that have so much knowledge to impart, and almost like it. it it feels at times when we rap with particular guests and they tell us that and they give us that unbelievable compliment to say, I've never had a conversation like that. You know, even thinking back on a, uh, one of the crazier episodes that we've had uh, with Blake Banks, when he was talking about mm-hmm. that his musical story started with his dad being in the, like, the biggest Johnny Cash cover band ever. Like, sure. Of course, like once you start learning that and that he was on the road forever, like, of course, you're going to try and figure out your own musical path. Like there's all these different things that happen where you figure out somebody's path just while they're talking about it, you know, like, uh, of course, sorry, this is just keeping in the musical vein, but you know, even like Kat Perkins talking about all the stuff with her dad. And and then for us to get to go to that show after we talked to her, like that was so so fun and so amazing. 
after she gave us like sort of that like sort of like background info on this is how the show works and then going to it like how fucking cool yeah right and it'll be the same thing when we go to uh long shots healing yes so but you know and it's is it's not just of course it's not just him but meeting people where they are and hearing what they're about and letting them tell uh our general public our listenership I mean, what, shit, what Charles, about. going to, you You got to go to Yia's pop-up at Steady Oh, my Polar. God. Yes. And he imparted some knowledge regarding sort of, like, well, specifically, and that guy is a, a legendary storyteller. Just. Yeah. That, I will. A I, legendary <laughs> storyteller. I will He's be not, forever in awe of him. For some of the stories that he told, he is he is such uh, under the learning tree kind of an individual, and I absolutely I I poured myself some more. Thank you, but just he is uh, he is I, when I hear him speak, I think of um, like folk tales of someone under the learning tree imparting knowledge to people, and he is accustomed to that, and he's adept at it, and he's got plenty of broadcasting experience and even when i was at his dinner with uh our buddy paul hearing him just very briefly tell some stories as he's amidst like producing this incredible meal so he has experience with that but there's a lot of people who do not and don't not only don't get to tell those stories but um don't create the the narrative or the framework or the outline to be able to do so and you can, it's palpable. Like we can, we can feel when people want so badly for people to understand like a little more about who they are. And it's not like a, a desperation or, or, or an eagerness. It's more like, man, you have so much to say that we're privileged to be able to be a, a conduit for to take a word from what, again yeah uh you said to be a conduit for you to like exp- to like put down on tape what you want the world to know about you because we can and i mean this has been because all every all the topics we're discussing are cyclical but even to just uh revert back to the idea of everything we're discussing yeah. here regarding like our comfortability with this podcast and how, you know, you feel like you I've expressed some exuberance you didn't know was there. I think that that comes through from our guests as well. Where are like, man, like I just want to say who I am. And sometimes we struggle to do that even with people that we know really well, you know, like there's, there's something to be stated in that regard Yeah, that we, we want people to know who we are because that's so much more important than what we do. Cause we, you know, and our guests all do such wonderful things and they should be known for those things. And they are, and that's why they're here. It's kind of what brings them to the table for better or worse, but giving them a microphone to let the world know the things about them as a person that they are willing to impart is, uh, uh, that's self gifting for me. hundred percent. I'm I'm immeasurably proud of that 
that we've had so many guests that have been able to impart these kernels of knowledge about their own personal life experience that they may have otherwise never gifted to the world if they were not given an, an arena to do so. That's, that's so cool, and I love it, and I want to keep doing it. Even just on that basis alone, just like that is such a big fucking deal to me. Totally. To let these beautiful human beings who are incredibly accomplished, doing tremendous works throughout the world, to say who they are, not what they do, who they who are you? fucking are. Yep. That is so cool. And we get to experience it in person. Now that that's much better than what we end up putting on tape. But the fact that we can put that out into the ethos is so fucking beautiful. I absolutely adore it. I, I will feel proud. Like if this all ended tomorrow, I would feel so proud of everything that we've done. And it ain't gonna. So we're going to keep this going and we're going to keep bringing in amazing guests. If we put 60 decks on and it was like everything that we've been able to, we've let people like fucking long shot and, and man, I mean, I'm not even going to name names, but like if that's all we've done is 60 episodes of people being able to say who they are and what they love and they care about, God damn it. That's good enough. Ain't it? Yes, ma'am. All day. That's, <clears throat> I, again, uh, Charles, I just want to thank you for texting me and for whatever reason that you and I figured out that we were simpatico. Uh, this has been such a cool adventure, and I can't wait to see where we go in the next year. We have, uh, we have some pretty amazing lofty goals, and we have some incredible guests coming up. And honestly, dude, I'm just... <clears throat> I. I really truly just want to say that I'm honored that for whatever reason you thought to text me that day and where this goes all started from that. And it's fucking awesome to have been a part of it. Uh, I'm a better person because of these last 60 episodes. Like I literally am a better human being because of these last 60 episodes. And uh, I have you to thank for that. And I just wanted Agreed. to say thank you yeah. and and I love you. Agree. I agree you're a better person. <laughs> you're such a piece of shit. God damn it. Trust me, I think it every day. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're on the same page. Hell yeah. Well, Quam. Yep. What do you think, amigo? Shall we? Well, I'm gonna do I I gotta finish it with a Malort. So uh is that we are in a, a weirdly elongated table right now, and I don't know, is that closer to you or to me? Because I'm going to try, actually, I, I might be able to get this. I'm just going to move my mic a little bit. Yeah. I was going to say, I think actually, you know, you're, you're taller than me, but we both got good reach, so it's hard we to We got tell. good reach. It hard is. Thought. All right, here we go. Hold on. <laughs> to, uh, Scar in the mouth. To our good friend, Lord Tremaine Atkinson. Thank you so much for all the Malort love. Yeah. Good friend via the podcast. <laughs> exactly. The via fact the, the fact that we willed <laughs> the fact that we willed meeting the owner of Jepson's Malort into our world, mm -hmm. I think that alone might be one of the coolest 
by earnestly adoring the yep. pro- this product that they produce that is always have always near will. to our heart. Like <laughs> I, after two fucking years, there's nothing I would rather do than have a shot of Malort. So I'm gonna try and pass this around to you. You're gonna have to because I just finished mine, dude. This this is. This is the problem and the solution with Malord is that <laughs> I drink it so fast. I drink it's it so delicious. fast. And it's perfect. Dude, uh, so my buddy Nathan Beck, prior guest of the podcast, was here last weekend. Two and times. Two times. We two might times, have to figure out the, f- the first three-timer. We might have to Uh-oh. figure out like a, like, a, like a tie or a jacket. <laughs> Give him a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, my. You're right. Yeah. We might need like them Like SNL have, does? Yeah. Like their own... Somehow they need some regalia. <laughs> but uh, he was here on Sunday because, uh, you know, to to remind listeners, we're at my home now in the garage recording this podcast. So last Sunday I had some friends in the yard and we cooked way too much food, which is what we are wanting. What? Do. That doesn't sound like you. Oh, and drank too much alcohol. But uh, here's my trick with Mr. Nathan Beck. Here's what I do the end of the evening and he knows it too this is no big secret when he's deciding whether it's time to call it a night and he's hemming and on and he's like i don't know should should i should i say or should i go now i uh i grab another cigar out of my case and i snip it and i pour some alcohol in my glass and he looks at me and he goes god damn it <laughs> every time and on <laughs> Sunday, this last Sunday, I did that. And um, actually, we were trying to determine what we were going to drink next. So the cigar was already lit. So it was like, all right, I'm sticking around. What should we drink? And I said, I want some motherfucking Malort. And he said, hell yeah, I want some Malort too. What? And I said, let me go inside and grab a bottle of Malort. And I looked around for my open bottle of Malort. And I asked Marnie, I said, Marnie, where's my... Have you seen where, because we've got lots of booze. Where's my fucking Malort? There's an open bottle of Malort somewhere. And she goes, what? Yeah, there's, there should be an open bottle of Malort. She goes, motherfucker, you, you probably, she didn't say motherfucker. But said, <laughs> you probably finished it. And then I was like, oh yeah, probably. And then I grabbed a new bottle of Malort, which is the one we're drinking right now. This thing's practically empty now between the end of the night on Sunday. We're going to kill that tonight. Between the end of the night on Sunday when Nay and I were already a little sauced. A little. And even when we were pouring it, as the other funny thing is, it was sitting in front of me and as I was smoking my cigar and pouring Malort into my glass as the bottle was sitting in front of me, it was going down so quickly. I was like, oh yeah, that actually explains. <laughs> that explains a lot. It, there it she moves, is. <laughs> it moves swiftly through my veins. <laughs> yeah. So great. <laughs> uh, oh shit. Did, the, did that snort pick uh, up? Yeah, it, that snort for sure picked did up. Did the snort pick up? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a real shit. Snorts <laughs> and spit takes are my favorites. And oh, Nate man. also is the last person I got to spit take. He did it at the state fair. <laughs> I got Nate to spit take at the Steve. Uh, I had one two days ago, and I just want to tell you Wait, guys. Wait, a spit take? I had a spit take in my yeah. in my car. In my car. What? Oh, was it coffee? Nope. It was just, I have a. I was have it a, booze? No, I have a Yeti. Yeah, I have a Yeti that I have with me in my car. It's a 30-ounce uh, Yeti. And 
I was waiting for a buyer to show Jeez, up. That was a road soda. <laughs> yeah, I have a. I was waiting for a buyer to show up at the liquor store. I beat him to his own liquor store, and I'm just sitting in the parking lot waiting for him to pull in. He has a very distinct blue F uh, Ford F150, uh-huh. and I'm just waiting for him to show up. And uh, I felt like the of like a couple texts coming in, and he looked, and my friend, my friend, my friend Jason. Is overseas, and he was in uh, one of those like uh, like bodega markets, as you do, where like everything is like maybe misspelled, and like they have Jordans, but it's like J O R D N's, Jordans, yeah. yeah. And uh, he took a picture of a a, sh- a t shirt on a stand that was the face of uh, Littlefoot from. Uh, I believe Fern Gully is the movie. Mm. And it just said in capital letters, Oh, <laughs> yo bitch looks like a little foot. That's it. <laughs> and uh, I literally, uh, that might've been one of the funniest things. I'm a little seen. disappointed <laughs> because I sent you that CERN shirt. Oh, well, yeah, except <laughs> I've been there and basically the CERN shirt that you sent a li- me. Did a lizard person eat your ass? <laughs> the CERN shirt that you sent me was what? <laughs> All of the Christians from America yeah. and China put say, a up- lizard person ate my asses, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was amazing. But but if you read through the reviews of CERN, there are Google reviews of CERN. If you read through them, the Google reviews are even dumber. Like yeah. that's the problem is that that actually was a real thing that people no, have written. No ass eating from a lizard person. Trust me. It was I no mean, carrots. There's the no fact that I, I will, again, give shouts out to no carrots uh, for DIA, Denver International Airport. They have leaned into it because so many creeps came out about how this was some Illuminati bullshit. All of their construction signs are literally like the lizard people are building their Illuminati complex yeah. right underneath here. That's what the construction signs say. Mm-hmm. Like they fucking leaned into it. And hell yeah, Denver. I love you so much. Motherfucking, yeah. The shirt said, what did it say? A lizard person ate my ass at CERN. And CERN was like the And junk. CERN was in the biggest capital letters ever. It's, uh, God. Uh, the, the pinnacle of human scientific creation. Yeah. And we still found a way to make it about eating ass and lizard people. Thanks. Amen. Alex Jones, I guess? I don't know. The frogs are gay. All right, whatever. Is, that, is he yelling that? Oh my god! Oh. Seems like I think he would yell. Go, go down that rabbit hole. Just no, Alex I'd, Jones. Frogs are gay. The frog hole. Well, the frog hole. Yeah, god he's. Damn oh, it. I hate him so much. Oh, all right. Anyway, <laughs> before this gets into all the things that we hate about everyone else, <laughs> uh, thank you guys. I after two years, uh, I just want to say. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for loving this. We're going to keep trying to find the best guests that we can. We're going to keep trying to have great conversations. Or hate listening. You know, it's Please, cool. you know, if you're hate listening, I mean, good on you. Okay. That, is, that is an amount of masochism that I don't even understand. That's almost to the mm. level of like self I hate watch stuff. I hate watch stuff. There's yeah, a but, wrestling. But a not wrestling like two and a half or three hours at a time. Yeah, no, please do. <laughs> yeah, keep it up. Keep our numbers up. <laughs> Are you <laughs> Whatever you're doing, thanks for the numbers. Thank you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, but again, we, as we always say, if there's anybody that you want to hear us interview on a show, let us know. Uh, we're going to start doing some more remote episodes. And uh, if if things work out this fall, you're going to also see some road shows coming up. Um, and we're going to keep working on that. Uh, outside of that, we love you so much. More than anything, thanks for listening. Yep. It, and as I always say, if you're still listening right now, I love you. Thank I you. love you too. That's awesome. Fucking right. Yep. Like, you know, that's, that's all we want is people to come along on the ride with us. We're, we're kind of interesting, but you know, we're not like, we're just like everyone that's listening right now. We're just a couple guys that are trying to have fun and make connections. Having fun. That's it. Enjoying ourselves. And we hope you are also enjoying yourself. Thanks for coming along on the ride. We love you so much. And, uh, Cheers, y'all. Yep. Watch Top Boy. Top Boy.